Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. There's nothing left for us to do Find the strength to see this through We are the ones who will never be broken Hello folks, thank you for coming to Bard's Logic Political Talk Part of the Conservative Conversation And also part of the Patriot Journalist Network and you can find the patriotjournalist.com. And tonight we got a great show for you. We're going to have two candidates on tonight uh, for the 2018 midterm election, uh, which is very important election. Uh, I wouldn't say as important as Trump getting elected, but I would have to say it is very much almost on par with that. And this is why. And soon we'll get our guest on uh, soon is that it's very important because there's a talk of a blue wave coming, and we certainly cannot let uh, the Democrats and the establishment Republicans uh, from taking over, and then none of the, or very little of, the Trump populist agenda. And let's be clear on this, that he ran as a Republican, but he's more populist, in my opinion, than anything else, um, maybe a conservative populist. Uh, than anything else. Uh, but that agenda is going to be gone away to the globalists if uh, this blue tide that we keep hearing about goes away. Uh, and we even have uh, people from his own party against him. So we definitely have to be aware of that and be uh, be very careful. So it's very important. I think people really need to get out there and have a movement like there was a movement in 2018 uh, or else we're going to be stagnant uh, for another three years, if not more. Um, and now with the talk with uh, uh, Michelle Obama possibly running for president, uh, looming down the pike, that's something as well. But let's go ahead and bring in Kelly, who uh, will be uh, introducing our guest in tonight first. Uh, but let's uh, welcome Kelly from uh, California. Thank you very much, Kelly, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Tell us a little bit more, uh, more about our friend Nicholas uh, Landolt, who we'll be uh, interviewing here shortly. Well, yes, he's a fellow fellow libertarian as I am and uh, so for the first half hour we have Nicholas Landholt he's running for the 11th congressional district of Texas as a of course libertarian and he had had enough this is his intro by the way he has had enough of party as usual politics and joined the Texas Libertarian Party in 2015 in 2016 he ran for the same congressional seat that he's running for uh, this year and he received over 20,000 votes while campaigning minimally uh, Nicholas is a native Texan, and he graduated with a Bachelor's of Science degree in radio, television, and film. Uh, he graduated, of course, from the University of Texas. After this, he decided to go into the Navy. He spent 10 years there, realizing the U.S. military forces are used by the money powers for their own personal gain. He resigned his, his Navy commission in 1988, and he began dedicating his public life to expose those same powers while earning a living in sales. He's also spent over 25 years working to show how computer election fraud controls our national politics while both parties uh, control Congress. 
and also through that, let's try to control through we the people. Obviously, you can <clears throat> get a sketch why Nick is going libertarian. So he has been behind the scenes, uh, and he's stepping in front of the camera again, and he's a believer in confrontational politics, kind of like Trump, get it straight out there. He ran on a pro-Second Amendment, pro-family, anti-IRS platform last time, and uh, at the time in 2016, he was competing against a globalist Republican with a liberty scorecard, as in the Republican had a liberty scorecard of an F uh, from the conservative review. So he is a, a constitutionally-minded uh, Texas loyalist, and he is truly the only patriotic choice with courage, vision, to provide actual citizen representation for 29 West Texas counties. He's a strong advocate for restoring uh, we the people and the lost political philosophy of self-governance under God's law. Calling on the help of all Texans, including state legislatures in Austin and local county commissioners, Lando hopes to help restore real viable economic freedom to his fellow constituents who are currently enslaved by the continuing theft of their monies by means of federal and state taxes. So with that, I introduce to you uh, Nicholas Landholt. And let's go ahead and uh, welcome uh, Nicholas. Thank you very much, Nicholas. How are you tonight? Well, I'm doing well. Appreciate you all uh, giving me the opportunity to uh, to talk on your show tonight. Uh, you're welcome. And, of course, you'll be, uh, you know, if you'd like to stay for our next segment, so you are uh, welcome. And you're also welcome to come back to the show. So let's go ahead and get right to it. Um, you are seeking your uh, party's nomination at the Libertarian Convention this coming April 13th to the 15th. Uh, what are you going to say to the delegates why you should represent the Libertarian Party in your district in November? Well, actually, it's a little bit different in the Libertarian Party. Um, the They have precinct conventions and county conventions, just like uh, you know the, two, the duopoly, as I call them, Republicans and Democrats. But it's at the district convention – where uh, you have delegates, uh, you know, nominate you and and vote uh, to confirm your nomination. Now, in 2016, that was not uh, really an issue because uh, the activity out here in, in West Texas is pretty scarce. And we had uh, four people at the district convention, and somebody nominated me, and uh, somebody seconded it, and they, we all voted, and I was. Uh, nominated unanimously well in 2018 uh in 2016 i became known as the militia guy uh because that is i guess my number one issue i, I don't I, I put it out there certainly but the uh, whole irs and the uh, the fraud of the inc- federal income tax you know most americans do not owe federal income taxes but that's uh you know, that hasn't been the case, uh, or at least widely known. I stopped paying income taxes in 1996, federal income tax. We don't have a state income tax in Texas, so that's kind of nice. But I stopped paying federal income taxes in 1996 when I found out that I was not liable. So the IRS, the income tax, and the militia issue, the Second Amendment, well-regulated militia, are the two my two primary platform planks. Well, once the libertarians kind of, I mean, I didn't hide the fact that I was pro-life, pro-family, against open borders. I want secure borders. Uh, when I uh, filed for office in, in uh, December of 2015, I let them know where I stood. And they said, well, you know, Texas, uh, Libertarian Party of Texas is actually you know, more conservative 
on social issues and what have you than uh, the national party. So I said, well, fine. I just you know want to make sure I I'm clear and that you don't have any surprises. Well, I, I guess the surprise is when I started um, harping more on the militia uh, issue and well-regular militia, which were basically suppressed in 1903. I won't get into that. But uh, the powers that be, the globalists at the time, took away the people's militias. Uh, all the state militias, I don't know how many states were, were around in 1903, but... Uh, and eventually the National Guard became, quote-unquote, the militia, and everybody else became unorganized militia. Well, that's not how the founders uh, wanted it, and so I'm trying to bring that back. So anyway, hey, Nick, getting quick back question to, for you. Yes. Quick question for you. Is the militia public or private? Militias are public. Well, I mean, public I, is... I, I, the one I'm talking about is public. But Probably, most people, yeah. I mean, the, the militias have been demonized since the militia of Montana, which was a private militia back in the, what, 80s or I guess mid-90s maybe. Um, and that's what people have been conditioned to uh, believe is that, you know, we're weakened warriors uh, who have no structure or anything. And, and that's what private militias are. They're easily infiltrated by agent provocateurs or informants maybe to try to get you to do something. But I'm talking about constitutional militias, the well-regulated militia of the several states. You mean the regulations that put forth by the state, like all the way through the 1800s into the early 1900s, where the state regulations defined how, uh, and that's why they call it the well-regulated militia. Yes, right, right. Uh, They're under the governor. If they're called up by Congress, then they are under, you know, the commander-in-chief. But the governor would have the power if (laughs) – we're sent – our military, which, again, is – standing army is unconstitutional, uh, a permanent standing army, which is what we've had since basically World War I, I guess. Um, Those are all unconstitutional. I mean, it was the militia that was called up, and that was for defense. I mean, there's three purposes – uh, execute the laws of the Union, repel invasions, and uh, suppress insurrections. We're not supposed to be sent overseas. I mean, George Washington talked about foreign entanglements. So, uh, yes, I'm talking about public militias. There are no state militias at this time. And uh, the, the expert on that, actually two of them would be Dr. Evan Vieira, who would be a, a mentor of mine, as well as Daniel Vincent McGonigal. And that's so. That's what I'm promoting. But I just uh, I got attacked today uh, by libertarians who think that I'm promoting some kind of. Well, let's see. I'm going to quote the guy: uh, <laughs> a statist, religious, cult-style, anti-Israel, Nazi rhetoric, abomination <laughs> militia. Well, Nick, get used to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I'm having, I'm sort of having fun with it. I mean, it's it's disappointing, but you know, um, uh, getting back to to the convention, it's because of my malicious stance and my uh, stance on foreign entanglements, uh, to put it nicely, that they uh, somebody within the uh, Libertarian Party of Texas has put up an opponent, so I will actually kind of have to campaign, I suppose. And try to win over the delegates at the uh, district convention, which is March uh, 24th. 
And speaking of your opponent, that's uh, Rhett Rehnquist Smith, correct? Yes, sir. Okay. Now, one of the questions for that is, do you plan to bring up his run for, as a Green Party candidate in 2012 and as a Republican in 2018 as part of your point on uh, why you should be chosen over him uh, to represent uh, the 11th district? Well, uh, I haven't. Uh, I just found out about uh, Mr. Smith. Um, what today's Monday or today's Wednesday? I guess uh, it was over the weekend. So it came as sort of a shock. He filed before I did. I mean, this is the subterfuge that I've had to uh, find out about because he filed before I did, which means I could have been told that I could have run in another district that did not have a libertarian uh, running in it because in Texas and I guess some other States uh, as well, you do not have to live in the actual congressional district to run in it, which is actually in 2016. I looked to, to run in San Antonio and Austin because I've got history there. I was born and raised in San Antonio and I uh, finished up my school at UT Austin but they already had libertarians running there. So I said, okay, well, you know, I guess I'll go ahead and stick here because Mike Conaway, the, the globalist rhino uh, here in West Texas, um, you know, he, he had, as Kelly mentioned. And, and you're uh, breaking and, up a little bit, Nicholas. I don't know if it's the way you got your, your, your phone or where you're at or, or what have you, but uh, myself and Kelly both noticed that, that you're breaking up uh, there slightly. Okay. Well, let me see if I can't uh, do something about that. Um, just but you obviously know. live in your district. You you live in your yes. district, right? I I, yes. I, okay. uh, I moved here in 2002, um, and and I've got to do a little bit. See, my, my whole is as, as Kelly mentioned, I, I've got over 23,000 votes by basically doing nothing in 2016. There, I mean, I'm not naive. Um, I, I went, ran a one-man campaign. Uh, I didn't even open up a bank account, but that's how disgusted uh, a lot of people are with Mike Conaway. Uh, we did not have a Democrat running uh, in 2016. I understand there may be one in, in 2018, but uh, the guy's just no good. And um, why the Libertarian Party of Texas would want to you know, somewhat throw away 23,000 votes, uh, you know, let's let's keep the name on the ballot and I'm looking for a campaign manager that is really is needed because the race is winnable, but I'm not going to tell people I can win running a one man campaign. I'm just, uh, I'm too, you know, I'm honest and uh, I I don't want to take their money, but you know, we could create a movement here. And if I had a campaign manager and staff, because um, as also mentioned in the intro, I've been involved in exposing computer vote fraud since the nineties and uh, I'd have to have a large enough staff and volunteer to, to take on that issue because if I am perceived to be a serious threat to, the, uh, to Mike Conaway, you know, that's where uh, vote fraud can be kicked in. In fact, over 100,000 of the votes cast in 2016 were absentee ballots. I may have gotten two to three times the amount of official votes that um, – the state secretary of state says I got. Well, we've got uh, some really yes, important issues voters the, right the, now. 
Yeah, it's, it, it's very important because in 2012, the Ron Paul people got cheated by the good old boys of the Republican Party. And California went for Hillary when opinion and research being with Watch the Vote that uh, uh, Bernie Sanders should have won California. Um, unbelievable with the games we saw in our online survey. Um, people were complaining they weren't even registered when they've been registered for years or vote by mail when they've been precinct voters all the time. So there's all sorts of games, and I think it's a hot spot um, if if you can assure the voters that they're going to have an honest vote. I think you got a, something really to run with there. Well, the the number one issue for me, which crosses all political leanings and parties, is the income tax. I mean, if a Democrat... I know a Republican and I know a Democrat is not going to go on record as saying, well, I stopped paying income taxes and you don't have to be paying them either because these are the facts. And if you, uh, you know, they're, they're just going to do that. They don't have the guts to do that. I do. And I will educate the county sheriffs in my district is quite large, the 29 counties. Uh, I will educate the county sheriffs that they need to be keeping the IRS off of uh, the backs and, and stop harassing West Texians if they choose not to pay federal income taxes because they are not liable. And the employers should be thrilled because they're basically unpaid tax collectors and they have to jump through a lot of hoops. And it's just, it's just ridiculous what is going on. And we keep funding our own destruction. What do you think about uh, illegal immigration and borders? Well, um, I mean, you cross the border illegally, you're a criminal. So, I mean, we need to uh, – that's where, again, the militia – we don't need uh, $800 million <laughs> budget was passed in 2015 – by the Texas state legislature for border security. You bring back the Texas militia and you're going to have probably at least 5 million uh, militia members, which, which can be set up on a rotational watch to secure not only the Southern border, but the Eastern Northern and Western borders as well. Because once Texas becomes known as the place to be, Everybody else is going to want to get in too. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> yeah. it's it's a it's a secure borders thing. I don't mind uh, you know free trade and all that kind of stuff, but uh, we got to secure the borders from you know the the drug traffickers and you know everything that you hear about the, the bad guys. Yeah, and so the Texas economy is thriving. I mean, my sister moved to Austin, and she was saying like every couple of weeks, 100 people move in. The, the economy of Texas is still thriving. So the uh, a lot of people are going to want the goodies in, in Texas. Um, Robert, is there any callers that have uh, questions for him so far? Well, well, we did. We had someone from area code 310, someone else in California, uh, but uh, they have dropped the call. I mean, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you know, that, that kind of makes me not laugh. It's kind of, you know, I don't like it, but you know, I do. I mean, we do have, you know, an open mic, you know, sort of thing here. And you know how we, once someone's mic's open, we keep it open and they're able to, you know, stay onto the show. Um, but boy, I tell you what, I mean, people, 
They, they don't have a lot of patience, it seems, when they come on. I think they have the impression that they push the, the one on their on their number dial, and we do appreciate them, them chiming in, uh, that we're, we're able to get them in immediately. And unfortunately, we're, we're not able to do that, you know, because I don't want to be uh, interrupting people uh, on there. Well, I'm I'm pretty easy going, so if I if I'm talking and you've got a caller, just say shut up, Nick. Uh, we've got a caller for you, and I'll shut up. <laughs> oh, there you go. Hey, what do you think about? I ask every candidate on the show. Do you know what the art what uh, well, Article Nine well, and Ten are? Well, 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 uh, real quick, because I know you know I know he's got only about ten minutes. We do have uh, Dr. Tolbert online who does have uh, you know questions for him here. So let's go ahead and uh, bring in uh, Dr. Tolbert. Thank you very much. Uh, Coming to the show, uh, how are you? And, and maybe 310 will call us back, but we'll see. Go ahead, Dr. Tolbert. Yeah, and I'm just going to keep it brief because I understand what is being said tonight. And so my first question is going to be the thought of the speaker on H.R. 25, which is the consumption tax, where you actually get rid of the IRS. And when you make a purchase, money goes toward uh, the federal taxes and the state keeps a percentage which is toward the education and the health care because the federal government is not supposed to be part of education and health care. So what's his thought on H.R. 25? Well, uh, I, as a libertarian, uh, our new motto, I guess you might say, which I guess was adopted in 2016 at the uh, National Convention in Orlando, which I was a delegate at, um, is taxation is theft. So um, I'm against consumption taxes. I'm against uh, the, the hidden tax that we have that nobody you know seems to talk about is inflation. Um, as far as the IRS, I get you know constitutionally um, there's probably a purpose for the IRS for federal employees or federal contractors or people who have dealings with the federal but not for the regular American or Texian or Californian or whatever. So we just need to apply the federal income tax correctly. And if that is, the, if we do so, most people won't be paying it and they'll run out of, uh, you know, funds for all their junk, unconstitutional, you know, uh, budgets, agencies, departments, and hopefully uh, get them shut down. Yeah. When when the uh, federal government was formed, they have only 18 responsibilities. And so when they cut back, then they have to go back to the 18 responsibilities of the federal government, which brings it back to the sovereign states. So when yes, you're sir. talking about the issue of uh, securing your bo- your border, that goes back to the fact that immigration originally in the Constitution belonged to the state. And why isn't the state of uh, Texas, as other states, uh, having their own immigration and following through against the federal government? Now, your governor in the past did uh, go against the federal government, and the federal government and the Supreme Court ruled that the states are responsible uh, for their own security, and only if the uh, Congress declared the illegal immigrants invaders could they, in fact, uh, the federal government come into your state. What's your thought on that? 
Well, the short answer is our governor and our legislatures are cowards. The longer answer is, uh, you know, a lot of these guys, Abbott, Rick Perry before him, and, of course, the glorious uh, George Bush, uh, you know, (laughs) they they position themselves – for greater things, and I think that's what uh, Greg Abbott is doing. But these people do not have the guts or uh, intestinal fortitude to uh, to stand up to the federal government. They would if they had the their Texas, you know, five million Texas militia members behind them. But they're in on the game too. So I'd love to get the, one of the gubernatorial candidates in the Libertarian Party here to you know, talk about that, to talk about the militia, the militia and uh, expose Greg Abbott for the coward he is. Yeah, that's pretty and bold there. Back, <laughs> and what we go back to is we actually filed paperwork against and with all the states uh, – I ran for the president in 2012 and the governor of Florida 214 and the U.S. Senate. And they showed I had 14 percent of the vote in the state of Florida. And when they got through manipulating the votes with George Sawyer's, I ended up with 87 instead of 1.4 million votes. So I also send memos and letters directly to the president of the United States who has my resume. I'm a doctor of education and retired military. So what you're saying is online, the Libertarian Party in Florida has some major issues. How is that going to impact what you're doing since a lot of the Libertarian parties aren't saying the same thing you're saying? Well, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, I'm, I'm getting attacked you know, within uh, my own party here in Texas. I mean, the Libertarian Party won't address the vote fraud issue. They won't address the income tax. You know, I'm trying to tell them, listen, if you want conservative Republicans and Green Party and conservative Democrats, if they exist, to come over to the Libertarian Party, why don't you take up the IRS, the the no federal income tax banner? And, uh, you know, all I get is crickets. So, you know, um, as far as the vote, for, we, we if we don't get back to paper ballots... Uh, counted in the yeah. view of the public, uh, and, and that's where the militia can come those. in too. I miss the hanging chads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Now, well, the Constitution, under the fact of the taxation, says Congress can only uh, take uh, money from certain businesses and not from the individuals. Where do you come up with your stand, and how do you interpret what it says? Well, are we talking about you talking about the Sixteenth Amendment, or You're talking about the amendment for the IRS that they're trying to trying to tell you is legal, which it's not based on the Sixteenth Amendment? Well, the Sixteenth Amendment was uh, never legally ratified. That's pretty much been proven, but the mainstream media is not going to let you know that. But even if it had been ratified, uh, a court decision, Supreme Court decision, said it made no new laws. So if you were not liable for a federal income tax before 1913, you weren't liable for it after 1913. It's a matter of 
I mean, the bottom line is if we, if we, the people who are supposed to be the militia to execute the laws of the union, if we don't get our militias back, we're, we have no power to say or demand that we get back and enforce the Constitution. Are you basing the militia on the original 13 states that everybody had to be a member of the uh, militia? Yes, sir. Compulsory. Uh, uh, and it would be up to the state, I suppose, depending on age. I've heard anywhere from 16, 17 to, to 45. But I think uh, I think a 55-year-old, you know, a lot of veterans out there who are in their 50s are still in pretty good shape. I'm 62. Uh, I can get myself back in shape. <laughs> Now, if you want to read a little bit what I do, you go to calledoduty.org, and I follow and write issues about the Constitution. When the Constitution Party could not get on their ballot, I actually came up with their electors, and I run as a no-party candidate. So I have a lot of influence in a lot of different places, and the articles we just wrote uh, on the closure of the FBI the uh, CIA and Homeland Security, the uh, fact of sanctioned cities, this president has to pull out of it, and uh, the uh, the rights of felons, uh, we go on and on from there. So there are some articles that you might want to follow up with. I don't believe personally that political parties should even be part of the uh, what's going on. I think political parties itself is a breach of the Constitution. And we filed antitrust uh, violations against the two major parties. What's your feelings that we even have political parties? Well, certainly the founders were against them. Uh, I would rather just uh, vote for the the man, depending on his positions. Um, and but the corrupt the, the courts are so corrupt that again it comes back to we the people st- stopping uh, need to stop uh, relying on people in either Washington, D.C. or their state legislatures uh, to, to fix the problems. We, the people, have to fix the problem. In the state of Florida, they cost uh, over $10,000 to run for a political office, for an example, the U.S. Senate. What do they charge you in Texas? Uh, with the Libertarian Party, to file is uh, does not cost anything. Um, and federal election law is you don't you're not required to to file a report unless you uh, raise or spend up uh, a, a total of five thousand dollars. I didn't have that problem in 2016. I'd love to have that problem in 2018. <laughs> the problem in the state of uh, Florida is that even though you don't have to file paperwork if you don't take donations. The only way you can not file and pay uh, and be your name on the ballot is to run as a write-in candidate. If you run with your name on the ballot, it's 10500 or 13000 depending. Do they charge you to have your name on the ballot in the state of Texas like they do Florida? Uh, no, sir. No, and uh, uh, I was going to say I, I've got the strategy and I have the issues uh, to win but the Libertarian Party of Texas, or at least the powers that are controlling it right now, don't seem to want to uh, to do that. So it kind of makes me uh, wonder what the hell is going on. But I had, and, uh, we got, 
I'll just I'll just Susan on the line. He'd like to chime in. Go ahead. I'm just going to say I I uh, it did not cost me anything to have my name on the ballot. That is why I got 23,613 votes. If I'm a write-in candidate and I don't have the funds to to get my name out there, there's no way I would have had that many votes. But even if you did, it's an example would be when I did 200 meetings at 60,000 petitions, Fox News had me at 1.4 million. The Democrats and Republicans would not let me debate because they changed the number of percentage from 9% to 15%. And yet when it got all finished, uh, I ended up with it as a writing candidate with all the people that said they voted was in the hundreds and the thousands, 87 votes. So no matter what you think you're going to get, it's not going to happen if they want to play against you. And Florida was one of the 10 states that the Russians did, in fact, manipulate votes. Well, this is the strategy that I have if I'm able to have a hire a campaign manager who can then hire a fundraiser and we get the ball rolling. And uh, we've got a strategy for taking on the vote fraud, computer vote fraud. You know, definitely be nice to see some, you know, grassroots candidates, uh, you know, in those, uh, those spots. Uh, both the local elections and, of course, the U.S. Uh, Congress, Senate. Um, you know, one of the things I'd like to see is a multi-party system myself, um, you know, really mirroring what they have there over in Ireland. I mean, I even like the uh, their voting system where they have the preferential voting. I think more candidates such as yourself and those of other parties, you know, such as Libertarian Party, Constitution Party, Green Party, things of that nature, uh, I think they, and then, you know, maybe even the upcoming when we have our next guest on, uh, uh, Bob Neal on, he's, uh, I've never heard of this, the party, to be honest, uh, where he's going to come up. Uh, he's a couple minutes late, but um, different time zones to me, that's thrown off a little bit. Uh, the American I Citizen actually, Party. Right. I actually interviewed uh, Bob myself a few weeks ago, and he's got he's got an interesting story. Yeah, he's going to tell us uh, some on that, but let's go ahead and get Susan in because I know she's been waiting uh, to chime in. Thank you very much, Susan, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Hi, I'm fine. Um, and, and she I, hails from Idaho, so go ahead, Susan. I don't believe in political parties myself. I have not for years. Um, and I think if you have them, you should have four or five or six, you know, Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. they should all have equal say in debates and stuff. Um, George Washington said, I have intimated to you the danger of parties in a state, with particular reference to founding them on geographical discriminations. Let me take a comprehensive view and warn you against the baneful effects of the spirit of the party generally. And then he said, he, he said quite a bit on it in his 1796 farewell address. It agitates the community with ill-founded jealousies and false alarms, kindles animosity of one part against another, foments or incites occasional riot, insurrection, opening the door to foreign influence and corruption. Gee, however, political parties may now and then answer popular ends. They are likely in the course of time and things to become potent engines of 
which cunning, ambitious, and unprincipled men will be enabled to subvert the power of the people to exert for themselves the reins of government, destroying afterward the very engines which have lifted them to unjust domination. The common mischief of the spirit of the party are sufficient to make it the interest and duty of wise people to discourage and restrain it. So he said a lot of things about parties. And when he was, uh, you know, there was no political parties when our country started. It was done. So uh, I would say that is just, he only, only president not to be affiliated with a political party. President for his successes by warning against creating them. So um, uh, he died at age 67, by the way. I discovered that. I hadn't really, guess, realized it. And it wasn't just from bleeding. They, boy, they tortured him. Not on purpose. They did what they thought was best, but they did stuff to his throat, poured and, and treated him. They had little burns or blisters and all kinds of stuff trying to make him well because he had been in his wet clothes for hours out in the storm and then in the house. And that's how he had woke, having troubles breathing. And I thought, wow, age 67, he died way too young. We could have used him quite a few more years. Even if he was well, retired, I- he would have given advice. Well, I'm uh, as I mentioned earlier, I'm I'm against uh, political parties, but we're kind of stuck with it right now until the people yeah. get their power back. I know. Yeah, yeah I know. And, well, I you know I believe in them only because I see they exist. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, and I want to go. You know, I want to take this uh, time to uh, let uh, folks know that un- you know, unfortunately, our friend Joseph uh, is not able to uh, join us this evening. Unfortunately, uh, he had to go back to uh, New York uh, for a family emergency uh, that he's going to hope to maybe give us a call from New York because, uh, you know, he's now in Hawaii. Uh, I don't know all the nature of it, but, you know, just for those out there, just put your uh, positive thoughts. And for those of you, you know, you know prayers out there uh, who uh, do that, uh, if you could just, you know, for his family, as I said, it didn't give me a lot of details. And to be honest, I didn't ask because. You know, I'm kind of a personal person myself, um, and so just you know, keep your thoughts out there. Hopefully, we can we can hear from Joseph. But he does uh, wish us uh, uh, his best, and you know, look forward to speaking with us again. Uh, go ahead. Susan. You were kind of breaking up there, Robert. Uh, he's, he's yeah, it's yeah, a lot of static. Really? Okay. Well, uh, yeah. well, as I said, that was you know Joseph. Uh, you know, he's one of our panelists here. And he had to go to New York uh, for a family emergency. And so he's hoping to join us in the next couple of weeks. He's going to be there for about three weeks, he said. Hopefully uh, things fare well uh, for him. Uh, I didn't ask for a lot of details just for the fact that, you know, I'm, you know, I'm kind of a private person myself. So I don't really ask people a lot of private, you know, what's going on in their family and, and, and life questions unless that's something they want to openly divulge without my, my asking. Um, and so, you know, just, you know, you know, put your thoughts, and for those of you who are prayerful folk, uh, put those out there for, for his family, and uh, we appreciate it. Um, now, I do, uh, you know, as I said, maybe because of the, the time frame or uh, our guests running a little bit uh, late this evening, I did tell them that we were going to have them on today, tonight at 1030 uh, Eastern. Uh, perhaps uh, we'll see them, you know, 
don't know, an hour or so uh, later. So, I mean, that kind of gives us a um, – and, and as I said, uh, you know, it is the bottom of the hour, but you are welcome to uh, stay with us, uh, you know, if you like. Uh, and, and this is one of the questions I'm going to ask our next uh, guest, Nicholas, uh, then I, but I'll you know ask you as well if you're willing to stay. Is that uh, what's your thoughts on this whole uh, you know the whole Russian scandal and and the whole uh, Mueller investigation? Well, the Russian so-called scandals I call it, but um, some some think it's real. I particularly do not. I think it's uh, absolutely fabricated. But uh, you may have a different uh, opinion or thoughts on those. But I would certainly like to hear them. Uh, no, I think it's all fabricated. Uh, pretty much everything in the uh, from the mainstream media is fabricated. Um, they're owned and controlled by uh, the money powers, and they who have an agenda, and they want somebody to blame. And if they pick a fight with Putin, they're going to regret it. And and I base that on more of a religious uh, view than. Uh, Political, but um, I mean, they want war. They want war. They want a, a greater Israel. They want a control of of, uh, of world uh, markets and what have you. That's why they're going after Islam. I'm I'm no, uh, um, <laughs> as a Christian patriot, I, I'm against Islam, but they're being used as a boogeyman as well because uh, they're against usury. A lot of their banking system does not include usury, and that's a, that's a big, I mean, in the Bible, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, says the desire uh, or love for money is the root of all evils. In usury, we need to kill the banking system in the, in the U.S. That's the bottom line on that one. What do you... <clears throat> Oh, I want to ask you about the Ninth and Tenth Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. I ask every candidate because these two are very key, and if they're not getting the Ninth and Tenth, then I just have no interest in them. So what's your <laughs> thoughts on the Ninth and Tenth Amendment? Well, I, I carry around or I have my uh, U.S. Constitution pocket uh, handbook, I guess, uh, all the time because I'm I'm not uh, really great at memorizing things, but uh, you know I, the ninth and the tenth amendment basically is say you know whatever we didn't talk about in the first eight amendments doesn't mean they don't exist, and it it means that it's left up to the states or the people. That's kind of the the short of it there, but we've gotten so far away from the ninth and tenth amendments. That it's it's really not even funny. It's tragic, and it started. I you know well it started almost immediately uh, with the whiskey rebellion in Washington, uh, but it really started to get bad. You know after the Civil War with the Reconstruction Amendments, and then it took away the people's power in 1903 to even uh, take on tyranny. Oh, so you're obviously a states' rights advocate. Well, I like to say state powers because uh, a state really doesn't uh, is is not being an individual does not have a right. So state powers is, and that's what the Tenth Amendment starts out says: the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, 
nor prohibited by it to the states are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. And it really starts at the local level. Uh, yeah. subsidiarity. I'm, I'm big on subsidiarity. Yeah. Well, what's funny is uh, libertarians have called me on this when I say states' rights, and libertarians jump in and say, the states don't have rights, they have powers. The people are the ones that have rights. I've heard this a number of times from libertarians, which it's, it's, I'm getting a kick out of hearing this again from a libertarian. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you, if you want to correct me, I'll, I'm, I'm open-minded. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's 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 amusing. I've had this discussion a number of times, but uh, but yeah, ultimately the power lies within the people, and they organize the governments in such a way that best affect their safety and happiness, and that includes the state level. And then when they founded the federal government, Articles of Confederation, and the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, the people were screaming, "Hey, this is what we want!" And I ran into a court case. Well, I memorized it years ago, but it talks about the rights of the individual. It's Hale versus Henkel landmark case, 19, I believe, 1905. It says the citizen may stand upon his constitutional rights. He has uh, he owes no duty to the state to open his doors to investigation as it may intend to incriminate him. His rights are existing as the laws of the land, long antecedent before the organization of the state, and can only be taken from him by due process of law and in accordance with the Constitution. But that simple little phrase, his rights are existing long antecedent to the organization of the state, is natural rights. And then the people, of course, got together to set up a government that would best protect their rights. What's, what's your thoughts on some of those positions? Well, I'm an Articles of Confederation uh, advocate myself, and it's interesting because... You've got uh, conservatives who are advocating for what they call an Article 5 convention or a constitutional convention of states. And my. But yeah, I believe our last, uh, 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 the last candidate we had in the show last week was um, supporting that. Go ahead. Right. Well, I, I'm, uh, uh, I'm of the mind that in 1787, when they got together to put the, the Constitution, they were looking to amend the Article of Confederation, and I think the globalists at that time hijacked the convention. Well, someone's got real quick. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, sir. Uh, someone's got some background noise going on there. Just uh, let's let's watch our mic since we do keep them open here. Uh, go ahead, Nicholas. Uh, I think that convention was hijacked by the globalists, and who ended up having to put in the amendments in order to get all the delegates uh, there to, to sign off on it. And it actually took several years. I guess the last two states uh, signed off in 1791. But uh, what they're trying to do now is hijack, uh, is to get rid of the Constitution, which really has never been, I don't think, fully uh, understood or even tried to be enforced, and throw away that and come up with whatever George Soros and and the left is is backing. Um, I don't know if that answers your question, Kelly. But um, I mean, we we the state. My question was focused on individual rights um, existing long before the states. Yes, the natural rights. Believe natural rights. 
Right. I mean, natural rights and, you know, nature and nature's God. And that's a whole another thing that, you know, I, I'm, I'm of the mind that the constitution should have brought up Christ, the King, uh, nature and nature's God, um, is not exactly, I mean, that's, um, uh, to me, that's very nebulous <laughs> as to, you know, you can believe whatever the hell you want. Um, you know, uh, cause Freemasons, you know, will, will say they believe in God. Well, actually, if you dig deep enough, uh, their God is, is Lucifer, but no natural man has natural rights and, and I'm an advocate. I mean, if we get back to the local level, that's, that's, I mean, there are certain issues uh, defense possibly that the local cannot uh, handle. So that goes up to the next uh, where I guess in currently we're talking about counties. So you, you got towns, then you got counties and you got states and, in the paramilitary police state that we we live in, I mean, they're controlling everything. So we really don't have, uh, a lot of us don't have natural rights anymore. Yeah, no, I'm... but it appears for what you're saying, though, the Constitution is a bit more followed than the state of Texas because they're not using the salamandry or the districting, which is unconstitutional, as they do in Florida. And then you get into the fact of the banking system and the Federal Reserve that's owned by the Jesuits. And so you get a lot of things in your conversation that will fall in line with what no party candidates would agree with rather than the Libertarian Party. So I keep going back. How are you going to get elected as a Libertarian? Well, uh, the, the strategy is the issue, the two issues. I don't try, you know, I, I don't, not that I stay away from them. You know, I'll, I'll talk about uh, pro-life and uh, other issues, but if we, the people don't have control, uh, the power, you know, I, I can't, I can't get elected. You're absolutely right. But there's a, a little known law that uh, I can, if I had the funds, I can force FCC licensed radio and TV stations to run ads, which will let the people my, know about my, my candidacy. Away with, though, you can't force them anymore. Well, I mean, uh, again, the, the law requires that if you're a federal candidate, that the FCC licensed radio or TV station must take your ad. If they refuse or they try to censor it, then you can sue them for their station license. Again, yeah, I think you know, that um, depending Jim on kind of the junior, correct. you know that uh, Kelly has done something like that. Well, Jim, Jim, I need to explain even further that if there's a violation and they absolutely refuse to put you on the radio, um, you hire an attorney and you can end up owning. owning the radio stations, the penalties are that severe. Yeah. So they have to, and that's how Jim Condon gets on every year. But he has what to you're about to hear is the result of information I received during a. Oops. Hello. Somebody's Hello. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was so, interesting. So that's how you do an in run. Uh, that's how you do an in run around the media, is by 
going this reasonable access law route. But you have to have the campaign staff and volunteers and what have you to be able to, to monitor the vote. Yeah, we. I mean, yeah, I don't trust uh, the electronic album. As I said, I missed the, the hanging chads. But speaking of uh, – this really has nothing to do with hanging chads. But let's go ahead and we've got uh, John on the line. Let's go ahead and bring John on if my – oh, we just lost Kelly. Kelly, I'm sure, will be calling back in. Uh, but let's go ahead and bring in John. Thank you very much, John, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Oh, I'm doing fine, everybody. It's good to hear your voice. Um, I have a quick question for the gentleman. I'm sorry, I'm kind of running around trying to multitask, so I haven't been able to pay as close attention as I normally have. But I wanted to ask the gentleman, um, in respect to these, um, you know, the Constitution and property rights, where does he fall on the oligarchy of dictators that get into government being able to tell you that we're going to run an oil pipeline through your property whether you like it or not? Right. Um, what do they call that? At, not asset forfeiture, but uh, imminent domain. Imminent yeah. domain, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is, I mean, I don't know if I can say the BS word, so I'll just say it's it's BS. I mean, again, the people's rights are being violated, and they can't, <laughs> there's nothing they can do about it. Uh, property rights, uh, I, I'm against all of that. Uh, is, You're is against short property answer. rights? Uh, I'm, I'm against vi- the violation of property, of somebody's property. Yeah, I don't want somebody take, listening to this to take that out of context. Then they'll be posting it everywhere trying to use it against you. Sure, sure. No, I appreciate that. Crime, I mean, don't get me wrong. If you want to oil Derek in your backyard and you want to draw royalties from it, be my guest. I appreciate the royalties myself. But I believe in the Constitution and the, and the natural rights that you get to self-govern you and no other human being or any other group of people have the right to dictate burdens and encumbrances and that means self-governing. Rules, laws, processes, and procedures of self-governing. So if you get into office how are you going to please all of your constituents without running over some of them and providing basically government by lottery? You know, some of them get government and other ones get legislative slave. Well, um, the question basically is I'm not going to look to please everybody. <laughs> I mean, we've got to go by the There's Constitution. There's no way you can. I mean, let's, uh, I, right. I never thought you right. – go ahead. <laughs> no, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, these these people try to please everybody, and it's it's BS. I mean, stop lying to us. You know, it depends on what crowd they talk to. It depends on the rhetoric that they spew out there. Well, as a constitutionalist, uh, all I have, you know, basically, I vote according to the Constitution. I mean, that, it's it's pretty easy going. I'm not going to be bought or, or bribed by big business. Uh, I mean. The way I tell people is big finance owns big business, which owns big government, which owns us. And it's supposed to be us at the top of the pyramid. And it comes back to to militia. I mean, if you look at the 13th Amendment, the first 13 words 
is what the amendment is about. It's not about the right to keep and bear arms. That's a natural right that doesn't really need to even be mentioned. But the NRA and the gun lobby group, they don't even mention militia. And to me, that is controlled opposition. I think they're purposely telling the people to get well-regulated. Because if you're not, if you don't have a well-regulated militia, there is no free state. That's that's what that Second Amendment says. No militia equals no free state. If you read between the lines. Do you know the full Second Amendment, Nick? Can I'm you sorry. The full Amendment. Uh, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. Those are the first 13 words that the NRA ignores. And there's a film documentary uh, by James Yeager, Good Guys with Guns, that's coming out. That's going to uh, it's going to expose the NRA. It's funny because um, whenever he put the NRA uh, in in his subtitle, he's kind of going out with the test markets. And his funding would dry up if he brought up the NRA. So he decided, okay, I'm gonna, uh, I'll just subtly do that within the production. But that's the first 13 words that everyone forgets about. The second 14 is the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So whenever you have these false flag school shootings, you got the gun uh, grabbers. Uh, and I'm actually a gun grabber. I say we the people should be grabbing our guns and be, become well-regulated militia. Uh, but the anti-gunners, they're trying to raise funds and pass bills to take away guns. And the NRA and the pro-right to keep and bear arms, they're raising funds you know, keep, you know, using the anti-gunners as the boogeyman. But they're not telling us that we should be well-regulated militia. I mean, some of those high school uh, boys should be militia age. So it's it's uh, it's it's a conspiracy. I mean, I can't you know tell you who or or, or you know just by the fact of that they do not talk about it. And actually, in the bylaws of the NRA, it does talk about militia, but it's like you know they don't do anything to tell their 5 million members that they should be organizing in their states. Wow, that's uh, quite the uh, serious accusation about the NRA that they're not This film hopefully will be out this year. It's a, a, a documentary. James Yeager has wow. done a lot of uh, uh, patriot documentaries. His, his his last one was mainstream, how Hollywood and the New York media uh, promote the globalist agenda. Wow. Well, let me ask you another question. Uh, so, if you have a well-regulated, okay, and that means state laws, which are used to be laws in every, not just thirteen, but as the country grew. Um, to eventually fifty-seven states. Okay, that's a joke. Obama, fifty-seven states. Um, so, yeah, what else could a well-regulated, and that's why I like to call it the well-regulated, because it's well-regulated. It's the states, you know, you get your local, uh, your captains are elected by the people. There's a chain of command. It's, it's, 
a military force that's subject to the civilian population. It's just a different format than what we've seen. Now, what else could the uh, well-regulated do? Say, for example, could it be like with Katrina or fires or all sorts of what have you, um, would they be involved in, in, say, peacekeeping things where they really don't necessarily need their guns, but they, you know, keeping order? Would that is that Keep something order. that yeah. You, yeah, if you could expound on that a little bit. Well, whenever you hear about the National Guard being called out to help with, like, say, Hurricane, I like to say Hurricane Harriet. I'm a traditionalist. Uh, but Hurricane Harvey here in, in Houston, um, you know, they call out the National Guard. Well, that's where the militias will, should be called out. The governor could call out the militia to help. Um, I mean, because you you're going to have your rioters or your looters or whatever, and one of the functions of the militia is to uh, suppress insurrections. But, yes, in, in natural disasters, those type situations, that's where the militia uh, come in because, like I say, in Texas, there's probably at least you know, 5 million militia members uh, that would be available. You know, and they, they're they regulated, meaning they're going to be they, – they muster like, you know, and they train. I mean, this is what the people are supposed to be doing, not – uh, the National Guard, which is under federal control. Um, can I say something? Hello? Sure. Yeah, go ahead, uh, Okay. Um, first of all, the militia, both Republicans and Democrats on both sides, I won't say all of them, but some of them, um, when they have gathered at places, they have been against them. It isn't just Democrats. It's some Republicans, too, conservatives even. They are perceived by both parties, uh, um, a certain amount of people in them, that they are dangerous. Now, as to the NRA, you do know that Rand Paul, they dumped him. They wouldn't invite him to a conference um, because he has, um, raise money for other groups that are like Gun Owners of America and the National Association for Gun Rights. And so they play political too. They, even though he's a great advocate for the Second Amendment, um, they don't like it that he's helped other groups. And so they get mad and petty and jealous. And I know for a fact that the NRA, and this is something I really don't like about him, raised money and gave it to Harry Reid for, and it didn't really do much good for him, for his, you know, for his run in Nevada. Oh, well, we'll, we'll, we'll promote your whatever. You know, that's what he told them. I don't think he did, but the point is they gave money to him. And I didn't respect that one little bit. Well, I'll uh, chime in with, uh, as far as, uh, Mr. Rand Paul, I've recently been saying that he's been in Congress long enough now that the Kentucky, if he was really understood the Second Amendment, that the Kentucky state militia should have been revitalized probably a few years ago. Um, 
as far as the NRA not contributing to him. Uh, I've already mentioned the, the NRA. I think no, no, no. They didn't by, invite him to their convention, to their uh, right. conference. Yeah, and in fact, they're having a big, uh, big one here in uh, Dallas uh, shortly. I guess uh, in May, and the gun grabbers are in Dallas are trying to get them to to not have their convention in May. Uh, I would love if I had the funds. I would love to go to Dallas during the NRA convention and pass out leaflets basically asking the NRA, why are you not helping your membership establish state militias? Well, that's a good one. He says he thinks it'll cast aspirations on their group because they have not invited him because there's no greater advocate for the Second Amendment than myself. It looks petty for them not to invite a major candidate because he raised money for other Second Amendment groups, and I agree. Snub on Paul or Rand Paul, and you got troubles with me. Well, if Rand Paul is such a great advocate of the Second Amendment, next time you talk to him or write him or whatever, ask him why he's not talking about a well-regulated militia being necessary for a free state. Okay. Correction, cor- correction I don't mind there, doing uh, that. Correction, you said for the security. It's actually oh, to the no, security. I, I know what the amendment I'm teasing you back, but uh, just, yeah, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state and the right to keep and bear arms will not be infringed. Stunning how many people missed the first half. And Nick, I want to kind of nudge you towards some other political points, if you will, you know, like the economy or jobs or, you know, all sorts of other things. Cause you know, it takes quite a bit to get elected other than just a couple points, but you know, cause people want to hear, they really want to know, okay, well, how are you going to help the economy? Economy is like always the number one thing. Um, how do you feel about trade? How do you feel about going to war without a constitutional declaration of war by Congress. Um, there's all sorts of um, topics we can discuss. So, yeah, I just wanted to get your... About them. Yeah, so what do you, you know, um, what's your thoughts on the grand jury? That's one of my specialties. The right of petition a grand jury. I've been before a grand jury at my own request. Um, all sorts of other topics that you'd like to, to cover. Well, um Obviously, as a constitutionalist, we should not be going to any wars, uh, whether it's by some decree, executive order, or whatever, without Congress declaring war. And I would say that World War II was the last time that Congress declared war. Um, But even then, um, I mean, history shows that most of the wars we've been in have been false flags to get us into war, Pearl Harbor being the most obvious one. Uh, with World War II, uh, Gulf of Tonkin, uh, Vietnam War, but then again, there was no declaration. So uh, Congress has abdicated its um, duty in that aspect. They've abdicated their duty r- r- regarding the... Uh, uh, the whole income tax thing. So 
that's what I would be telling my constituents in, in a campaign is if you want immediate money back in your paycheck, uh, the fact that you're not liable for the income tax will help the economy there. Um, out of you know the free you know, the NAFTA and the GATT and WTO, all of these uh, globalists, uh, whether they're trade agreements or organizations, they have. Uh, Congress has passed regulations making it very difficult to to make a, a just profit uh, for big businesses. So, yeah, they're going to go overseas and use cheap labor uh, and still charge an arm and a leg for their products. Uh, again, that comes back to the, the love of money aspect. Um, but, yeah... My main thing, other than the militia, is economic freedom, and it starts with giving you more money in your paycheck. I mean, that's why I ran against Mike Conway in 2016. I started to get letters from the IRS, and I went to his uh, office, talked to his regional director, and said, you know, I don't owe this tax. I'm not liable, and I want you to do something. I want to tell IRS to get off my back. Stop harassing me. And they basically just said, pay the tax. So that's when I decided, okay, well, this guy's a coward and a traitor, and I'll run against him, and I did. And wow. uh, hopefully I'll be able to do that again in 2018. Well, you know, there's something uh, important. Oh, Robert, okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say just, just two things. Uh, one is, now I'm presuming at this point, we're talking about teachers uh, having, you know, getting trained and having guns in the schools. You know, that's a big topic coming up now. Uh, I would, pr- I presume at this point that that'd be something you'd be for. Uh, that's one. And then two, well, I, you know, I can't remember what this, what the second one was, but let's go ahead and, and, and go with that one because that is going to be one of our things we're going to discuss tonight. Um, and uh, you know, I, I sent a message out to our other guest folks, uh, Mr. McNeil. Uh, I thought we had the understanding that he was going to be on uh, this evening. Uh, I have not seen anything uh, from him yet. I hope uh, he's well. Um, and so, you know, at this point, I figured perhaps we would have heard something from him, but we'll we'll see. I mean, this has happened rarely uh, in the past, but we'll 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 move forward. Uh, but anyway, uh, so I mean, and, not, and you know what, and, and Mark Lower, folks. I mean, how many people here? I mean, it's starting to really start to take take note and that's something that as you remember i've been saying for a while you know since you know all these gun things come up is well we just arm the teachers and what's what's coming up in the news now you're you're hearing uh more and more about yeah maybe you know uh, i think maybe as a texas maybe even be one of them that's talked about having uh the teachers armed is that something you'd support uh no i'm a supporter no i'm actually surprised to hear you say that I'm an advocate of getting rid of the public school system. Well, okay. government has no well, business. Be that, well, be that as it may, since we still have the public school systems now, but as the as things stand, I mean, do you think it's a good idea to have uh, armed, you know, trained and armed uh, teachers to have a firearm to protect students? Well, I suppose as a as a band aid uh, until we uh, get rid of the the public fool system, 
then yes, uh, that would be the way to go. But, you know, declaring, and, and I can see exactly what's happening. As I mentioned in 2015, the state legislature passed an $800 million bill for border security. Well, in 2019, because Texas meets every other year, every odd year, in 2019, Abbott has already called for, uh, I, I guess, police, at this, more police for the schools. And so I can see them passing some, you know, another tax, huge hundred million, however many police they want to hire uh, in, in 2019. And we're just becoming more of a police state instead of arming the people who are. And, and I think a lot of these shooters, if they were, uh, well, uh, of course, you have to get into the drug issues. I mean, a lot of these guys, uh, the big pharma is is uh, a part of this conspiracy. Uh, yeah, I'll say the C word. That uh, you know, they're they're on something, psychotic drugs, and uh, MK Ultra, whatever. I mean, these are all conspiracies that we, are, the people, are not going to be able to prove unless we have the power. But if the people are armed, if the teenagers are in uh, training for militia, uh, I think gang, all the gang stuff uh, would uh, decrease. P- these kids, these you know, teenagers and you know, young adults, they've got nothing to do. And so they form these gangs and uh, the whole Black Lives Matter, and a lot of this is, um, I, I think, funded, whether it's from the left or the alt-right. Um, these are all things that if the people were the militia, uh, we would be able to expose this because the police obviously cannot be everywhere. In fact, uh, I'll give you a short little uh, story that I found out from from James Yeager, the guy who's producing and directing the good guys with guns when i interviewed him on my christian revolt long overdue radio program he said that uh, the the police the whole police concept came about because the uh the rich folks the wealthy the elites did not want to do their militia duty so they paid to get out of it and as time went by they ended up taking this payment and then turning it into a tax on the people in order to hire uh, law enforcement or police. We, the people, are supposed to be policing ourselves. We're supposed to be a self-governing people, but we've turned into a police state, uh, and it really started in, in 1903 when they took away the militia. Hmm. Interesting. Um, but so as I say, as a stopgap stop stop measure, then yes, I, I guess arming the, the teachers would be... Uh, but, you know, actually, uh, I take that back because if you had the militia, you could again. It comes back to you could set up a rotational watch, trained militia members, state militia, county, local, 
uh, I mean, each school district could have, probably have uh, several uh, militia members that could rotate and keep an eye out for, you know, the nuts. <laughs> you know, and, I, and, I, and frankly, I mean, I don't care how they do it. I don't care if it's militia. I don't care if it's you know, paid police. I don't care if it's uh, teachers who are trained. As long as you have someone in there. I mean, this, oh, the school is a gun-free zone is, 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 is as you say, it's, it's BS. I think you're just asking for trouble. <laughs> you're asking for people to come and say, hey, oh, good, this gun-free zone for everyone but me because I'm going to bring this, this gun in here anyway. Uh, and, exactly. and do what damage that they, they feel like they can. I mean, and, and when it comes to taxation, you know, what a solution that I said is like, look, I, mean, I don't care how much money you make. I don't care if you're, you, you don't make a lot of money or you make a lot of money. Okay, you could come up in one in a nine-month period, 50 to $100. It's about, in my opinion, it's about prioritization. Okay, and if you hire, let's say, for instance, you, you hire a, a militia person or a, uh, or a, a I don't want to call them rent-a-cops, but, you know, one of those people who, you know, they have, uh, what do they call it when, when police officers do, um, like, events and stuff like that. I can't off, remember what it's called. Yeah, Off-duty off um, security. Yeah, you know, off-duty yeah, off or, or, you know, or, or something like that. But anyway, so what you do is, I mean, you can find out, you, you can calculate how much you're going to spend in a year's time to pay these people. You're going to find, you know, you're, you're going to be able to calculate out, you know, do it per, you know, per each student or per, per each family and say, okay, each family has to pay X amount of dollars, you know, to pay for this. And if they got to come, I mean, I mean like, families would fork out 450 bucks for their kid to play a sport. Why not pay, you know, a couple hundred dollars to protect your kid, you know? And then, so, you know, you have that. And so you won't have to worry about, you know, you won't have to say, oh, well, you know, have taxes take care of it. You just, you know, have these people pay, a, you know, a, secure, a professional security officer, you know, armed security officer, you know, maybe ex-military or a, a police officer or, or whoever, you know, uh, to do that. And then, you know, that takes care of the, the tax aspect of it. You know, it's interesting, Robert, is the uh, on Fox News was – one of the first responders to Columbine, he was a SWAT team guy. And ever since then, he has been going around trying to educate and provide protocols for schools. And they, according to him, they were having good success rate. However, <coughs> I find it interesting that we keep going back to the same thing, and then we and then you come up with costs. Okay, armed security guard off-duty cop, uh, getting some overtime, whatever. But the um, <clears throat> Columbine, this is what he said about Columbine, the cost of the lawsuits was far more than the cost of the security, the paid security. Oh, yeah, I'm certain. So, yeah, you, I mean, there's all sorts of, well, what do we do, you know? Well, let's put a big sign up that says gun-free zone. Really? That's like the, the guy that put up a sign um, I believe in gun control. I have many guns. My neighbor next door has no guns. It's a great place to rob. He actually put this sign up in his yard, big sign. So, yeah, robbers go here. He's got no gun. The neighbor came home from work who was a you know liberal Democrat, and he's just furious. He's just furious. He walks over to his neighbor and says, what are you doing? I said, put up a sign. We've had this discussion. We don't believe in guns, and you want to grab everybody's guns. So I just thought I'd let people know. You're believing in what uh, 
you're living what you're believing. But I don't want the I don't want the bad guys to know I don't have a gun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. So you know, talk about hypocrisy. But um, you know, if we go with um, if we go with okay, let's just let's just hire some more people. Let's throw more money at the problem. Um, you, there's always going to be a cost, and of course. Say ten years and everybody's safe. Okay, now let's stop that program so we can buy Johnny a Christmas present, except for he might not be alive at Christmas. You, you know, it, it's uh, money isn't always the problem. Is the solution? That's, I mean, yes, it certainly helps in a lot of solutions, but it's not always when there is a bigger picture solution. And I guess Nick, you know, you brought up the idea of the militia rotational. I don't like saying English. I'm saying well-regulated, meaning government-owned, public-regulated um, through the legislature, et cetera. But so w- with your idea, Nick, with your idea of um, state-sanctioned, uh, well-regulated, and there's a rotational basis, um, what uh, every person would put in, you know, they're trained, they're accoutred, they're, everything is fine, okay, they're mentally stable, et cetera. It's kind of an important factor there. But so they're all mentally, you know, they're, they're fine. Hey, they're great. You know, we have what, – what kind of rotation would – let's just say that all of a sudden California, which, you know, okay, let's say state of Jefferson. <laughs> Northern 22 counties are saying goodbye, California, we want out. Um, but let's say the state of Jefferson said, okay, we're going to have a well-regulated – and uh, I'm, well, not quite 55. I'm not 55. I'm not near that. But, okay, so I'm I'm there, and I get a notice from my uh, local leader that says you have to attend this school and be on guard for a day. Okay, what if I don't want to? Do I get fined? Or what if I do? And, okay, that's fine. But would it be once a month, twice a month, three times a month? Because I, you know, I got to make a living, so I just kind of want to get some of your thoughts on that, um, how that would work in the schools. Well, I mean, um, it's obviously going to be dependent on how many militia members are in the county or the local uh, militia, as to how often they would have uh, duty. But it was kind of like uh, looking at it like jury duty; you would know far in advance when you were uh, going to be called. Uh, Maybe your employer is also going to be uh, malicious, so he's going to understand the whole concept of this, uh, you know, whether it's, uh, say, reserve duty, uh, but this is called militia duty. It's not jury duty. It's malicious. You know, these are things that are going to need to be set up by the local people themselves, they're going to be the ones to decide how it's set up. Okay. Well, yeah, because it would be, you know, I wouldn't mind volunteering once a month, but of course the school system would say, well, who the heck are you? I'd have to be vetted. I'd have to be trained. I'd have to be whatever. Okay. And I'm okay yes. with that. But, and I'm sure, and I'm sure I'm hearing stories actually of vets offering to do this, uh, you know, um, Vietnam vets to Iraqi vets, what have you, to, uh, volunteering to do this now because it's needed like now. Um, but would there be, let's say I didn't show up, would there be a fine? What if 
for example, uh, with the school, if uh, if I got fined, and then um, well, let's say that I showed up for my twice a month duty at the school, okay, and then and then I got a call because Joe didn't show up. Would he get fined, and then I get paid double time or something because Joe didn't well, show up that day? I get I get I get uh, bonus pay for showing up. <laughs> with that with that I mean. I'm just thinking practically. How does this work? Well, I mean, uh, sure, we could think of something. You got to look. You got to look at it like uh, the militia being military. I mean, and and yes, if you do something wrong, there's going to be some type of a uh, court. You know, um, I, I'm thinking captain's mast. Uh, it, it was was the navy term. But, you know, court marshals, you know, those kind of things uh, are going to be held by the senior officers um, to determine, you know, guilt and, and uh, you know, the fines. Or, uh, I don't think it'd be an, an imprisonment type situation. But, uh, and, and for conscientious objectors, uh, you know, there are ways for them. I mean, they they don't need to be non uh, they could be non combatants and still serve in the militia. They could be administrative, clerical, those kind of things. Well, see, that's going to be one of the issues. People that uh, are real quick, apparently... Kelly. Someone someone's in the kitchen or something uh, in the background, and we we got another question from uh, well, someone from Messenger uh, that we'll, we'll you know ask in a few minutes to go ahead and finish up. But somebody else got some some noise going on in the background, so I appreciate they uh, limit that. I appreciate. It. Go ahead, Kelly. Okay, so let me let me some of the obstacles and somebody's probably thought of this somewhere, but in implementation, right now, you know, quite a bit of liberal Democrats don't want guns, period. Well they're not gonna want a well regulated militia, they're gonna scream, but if say in Texas it passes and the Democrats of Austin are like, I ain't showing up for duty So it would rise to the level of um if you don't show up for jury duty you can actually have an arrest warrant, at least in California. So would it be like that, or they show up for um, other type of things like in a flood or a fire or what have you? Um, because you're going to have your objectors. I mean, if, if they don't like the second half of the Second Amendment, they're going to scream um, anything near the full Second Amendment. So how do you how do you resolve these types of um, Issues, or would that be up to the state, um, to the community? It's well, going to be an interesting. Right. No, it's it's going to be again it'll, subsidiarity. So it starts with the local community, and if it needs to escalate to the next level, which I guess would be county, uh, then state. Uh, yes, this the fines and those kind of things are going to be laid out. It's not just going to be at the whim. Of whoever the uh, the colonel or captain is, because there's going to be a system of accountability. So if there's reasonable duty and reasonable fines, people might actually like this. But there's going to be quite a bit of volunteer time. Um, I mean, I volunteer at the local homeless shelter and all, but uh, you know, luckily I've never had to bring my gun. But you know, it's just and, and we've had situations where the police have had to come and remove people. But I mean, our 86 list is longer than most uh, bars. But at least you know we breathalyze and all sorts of things. But 
and, and you know, you see working with volunteers in this capacity, you, you start to see some people might flake. I got an emergency call. I run down the shelter host overnight. You know, the, um, you know, people are people and, and implementation. Is it going to be reasonable? Is it something they can do? How long will it, let's, let's say, give you, in, in, in Texas is probably more likely than California, but let's go ahead and give you Texas. All right. Let's 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 say Texas does this. All right. How long do you think it will take for the people to appreciate this system? Um, I don't you just, think you it, know, right. I don't think it would take long at all. There's already a huge uh, independence movement within Texas. Um, the Texas nationalist movement is the largest one. They claim to have a quarter of a million people uh, as, as members or at least have signed their petition that they want to have a referendum about Texas independence put on there. I think uh, during the the 2016 primaries or campaign with uh, Hillary and and Trump, um, the media was reporting that 40% of Texians were stating that if Hillary won, uh, they would want to secede. I actually think it was a much higher. I think that was understated. I think probably over 50% of people, because this is a very red state. Uh, I don't like, you know, red, blue and all that stuff, but, um, you know, I deal with the hand I'm given. So being a heavily red state, they had already had eight years of Obama. So they didn't want another four years and possibly eight of Hillary, and they were ready to leave. The uh, problem with the Texas Nationals movement is I tend to think that they're a, a one-man operation that's uh, basically a, a, a shill for the, uh, the establishment Republicans at, who do not want any vote on secession, and neither does the governor or lieutenant governor. So um, I think there are plenty of Texians, particularly West Texas, who would be uh, love the opportunity to uh, to be militia and to you know protect their children and what have you? Uh, I mean, my education efforts would be on homeschooling and why the parents' responsibility uh, to to take back control of their the education of the children. Uh, I mean, it's uh, it's been proven that homeschooled children are much more intelligent than what's being churned out by the government fool system. So uh, yes. that's that's well, the answer to your question. They they would love they would love it. It wouldn't take much uh, education at all. Right. Well, I'm starting to get um, kind of a bigger picture. So a well-regulated militia, state regulations, local elections. You have to show up for duty as you show up for jury duty. Of course, some people don't like jury duty. I love it myself, but um, can't wait to get called in again, except they keep kicking me off yeah, the jury I've pool. I've never been called. Can you believe that? <laughs> <laughs> I have never yeah. been called for jury. I have never been called or mailed for jury duty. Oh, I sat in seat number seven and had a meeting over lunch hour with the judge, the prosecutor, and the defense. And I started citing case law of my right to do this, and they kicked me off. Anyway, um, <laughs> but so so a well-regulated system for security of a a school, for example, it would be required jury duty, just like jury duty. It's required, and uh, 
Yeah, it's it's really interesting um, perspective. I could see Texas go for this. California, heck no. State of Jefferson, yeah. Well, there are twenty two <laughs> counties that said we're done with California. We didn't. We're not seceding, but we're just made a statement. But it's it's interesting. What about the new How, California or, or new California? Whatever. Uh, remember, remember them? That's, no. Yeah, that's a that's the zoo that okay, we're going to put around anyway. <laughs> I'm I'm hoping that Cal, I'm hoping that Cal exit, as I've often heard, and and I've just recently heard about that new California. Um, I, I hope they're able to to do it because I think once it happens, that it's just going to be a mushroom throughout the rest of the states. Hawaii, Alaska, Texas. I heard a new one today about Washington State. Um, if CalExit happens, it won't. Too many contacts I have in California. It's just it's a flop. Mm-hmm. But the new California also is going to flop. But we, the Jefferson movement, 22 counties, either through a vote of the people or the supervisors, we're just saying we're done. We don't want you. Don't represent us. You don't think about us. You don't care about us. Our economies are in the toilet. So, but yeah, if if Cal Exit or if Cal Exit were to happen, we could probably apply for the Jefferson statehood, just like West Virginia did when Virginia seceded during the Civil War. Um, and you got a lot more libertarian-minded people up north here in Northern California. I know that's a surprise, but. We are run by um, Sacramento, L.A., Bay Area. There's 5 million in the Bay Area, well over a million in SAC, and L.A.'s got oodles of people. But they pretty much tell us what to do in the rural areas, and we're just kind of helpless. And the same thing, i got a friend up in Oregon. He says Portland pretty much tells tells the rest of the state what to do. Um, would you be in favor – this leads to a question. Would you be in favor of more congressmen? Because right now, what is it, one per half million or one for however many million it's, congressmen? Right. No, it's it's like one – well, I, I guess the max is like 750,000, somewhere around there. Um, We're supposed to have that, one for every 30,000. Well, that I heard – yeah, I think it went up to fifty. And uh, and I'm working with an organization, uh, Tactical Civics, which has uh, a Bring Congress Home Act. And uh, and one of those is, uh, or, or part of that, is the fact that uh, there's a, a First Amendment that's never been ratified, but there's still like 11 states that have ratified it, so that they only need about... 20 some odd more to ratify it to get back to where it's one representative for every 50,000 uh, people, and, which means you're looking at about 6,400 representatives. Uh, but Oof. they would not be in Washington State. You bring them back, they would live in their district. And that's where we're getting. Real, real quick, Susie, there's a question club. from the – remember, real, real quick, Susie, there is a, a question from the messenger that uh, that I, you know, said I would, I would ask. So I, you know, I don't want to get too far uh, out from that. And bring it back uh, to uh, taxation and who would be exempt from paying income tax. So the question was, you know, just, just that, uh, 
Nicholas, uh, who, who you know, if there were to be exemptions from from paying uh, income taxes, who would that be, and and, and why? That's your question. Well, um, as I, I mean, when I stopped paying in the 1996, yeah, and how because, did you do that? I'm sure the audience would be interested in how you how you're able to do that. I just stopped. I didn't file anymore because we were we're, we're not a, I was not only not liable for the tax, but I wasn't liable to file a return either. So I just stopped. There are some people who try to go back and get the taxes, the income taxes they paid, but I just stopped, and I didn't make a big deal out of it. Um, but over 21 years, I haven't paid any federal income taxes. Now there, you know, it's it's a decision that you know people have to make because we're not. At well, the how point. did you do that successfully without them trying to? take all your assets and your house and garner any wages or monies or accounts or how did you do that? Bank account or whatever. Yeah. Right. I think it just was because I wasn't worth it. I mean, there's no reason to uh, either create a martyr and they, they've gone after congressmen like uh, George Hansen uh, of uh, Utah, Utah or Idaho. Now these this is back, you know, we're talking back in the eighties. Uh, it's a whole different ball game now that we have the internet and what have you. And I've I've wanted to make uh, my income tax stand, the tax honesty uh, stand, uh, as public as possible. Uh, so you know maybe they just didn't want me to to you know go out in public and what have you. Um, but they just, I mean, I, as I said, they have, uh, in 2015 or 14, they started to send me letters threatening liens and levies on property. And that's when I went to my congressman, uh, you know, maybe he told, told the IRS something and, and, but I've been getting, uh, you know, letters recently as well, too. I actually have a request into the IRS for a collection due process hearing, a face-to-face collection due process, because I've never had the opportunity to tell them, show me the law. Um, I don't know if uh, how many listeners are familiar with Joe Bannister. He's an ex-IRS criminal investigation division, Um, a gun-toting agent. Uh, he He he, He was an accountant too, by the way. Yes, yeah, and he's still an accountant. And in 1998, he heard DV Kid on the radio out in California, uh, Jeff Metcalf, and uh, she was talking about how, you know, most citizens uh, do not owe federal income taxes. And he said, "Hmm, well, I think I'm going to investigate that because I think she's wrong." And a lot of people have offered $50,000 or, you know, so much money for the IRS to prove, uh, to show us the law, proving that the normal American who is not a federal employee owes income taxes. And, of course, they never, they never can show the law. 
and well, Bob well, how, how, real, real quick, how do they determine how do they determine who's liable to pay uh, you know pay the income tax and who's not? Uh, because you know, for person we have in our messenger uh, said you know their cousin uh, stopped and they put him in prison. Well, it's you know I don't know. Well, of course I do a lot of prayers to uh, Saint Matthew. He was the uh, tax guy that Jesus called to be an apostle. Uh, St. Catherine of Alexandria, she's a, a patron of, lawyer, of tax uh, lawyers and what have you. So that could be my guardian angel, could be uh, preventing, uh, you know, the IRS from finding things out. I don't know. Um, could be, Nick, that they it, simply just find the cost-benefit ratio and they don't bother you. But Joe, finish Joe Bannister's story because he was – um, he had a conversion as an IRS right. agent. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, so what was the rest it, of the story it, with that guy? Well, after his uh, invest, I mean, his personal investigation into the matter, he determined that DV Kid was right that most of these people that he's been going after do not owe federal income taxes. So he went to his superiors and he said, "You know what's going on here?" And they, instead of answering his questions, they told him to resign, which which he oh, did, wow. and uh, he ended up becoming part of uh, Bob Schultz's "We the People" uh, tour, which uh, crossed the U.S. from California, I guess, to uh, to Washington D.C. Uh, to meet with. I mean, they had a national press club conference and. They were promised to meet with IRS officials because they took out a full-page ad in uh, USA Today, uh, you know, basically saying, you know, show us the law. And uh, whenever when they got to D.C., the the IRS backed out and they never showed up. And a lot of you people probably are familiar with Aaron Russo and his documentary America Freedom to Fascism, which proves the same thing. Well, what's interesting about Joe Bannister is that uh, he decided not to file, and they went after him, <laughs> and he prevailed. Right. He prevailed yes. in the courts, and it's more fascinating. And you look now on uh, TV ads every now and then, got back taxes you owe. We can settle with the IRS. Well, I would I would propose that Bannister and some of these other folks. I mean, this is some bizarre stuff, but. Bannister convinced a whole bunch of Americans to stop filing, and that's why you see these ads on the television. And people want to go ahead and settle it because they're scared. Um, you know, but it's the high-profile types like Bannister that they're going to go after. Um, I not think only, the, yeah, not only Bannister, but Wesley Snipes. Uh, you may recall that case. And yeah, Willie Nelson Joe, was another one. Right. Well, Wesley Snipes was cleared of all the felony uh, charges that were brought up against him. Robert Bernhoff uh, out of Austin, who was also Joe Bannister's lawyer, uh, Robert Bernhoff was able to get Wesley Snipes cleared of all the, the felony charges. He still spent some time. Um, but Wesley, I mean, people like Wesley Snipes, well, you know, if these people would contribute, <laughs> whether it's uh, out, you know, out in the open or behind the scenes, or if they would contribute to the tax honesty movement, we'd be able to to do more. Uh, in fact, I'm working with a group right now to try to resurrect the whole um, 
tax movement, honesty movement that uh, Bob Schultz kind of dropped the ball on. So here's a question for you. Without the IRS, how is the federal government going to get funded? Well, yeah, uh, that's yeah. actually the question I was going to ask. <laughs> well, right, and that's what everybody asks. Somebody's got something going. Um, yeah, I know. I was like, what is that? <laughs> hey, I tell- what, what that is is somebody's listening on the Internet, this show, while they got their mic open on their telephone, and it's causing a feedback loop. That's what that is. Okay. Well, actually, oh, what okay. it is is NSA. <laughs> NSA Bob is grinding up a smoothie, you know. Yeah. He's kind of thirsty, <laughs> so he got the blender. And <laughs> hello, NSA Bob. By the way, we we do that every now and then on the show. And we say hello, NSA Bob. Anyway, uh, now I mean, you have various taxes for various programs. Uh, gas taxes pay for roads and what have you. The income tax, uh, federal income tax is actually going to pay off the usurers, the money powers uh, in the Federal Reserve uh, interest accrued from loaning our own government money. Um, Again, this is Congress abdicating their duty so they betrayed uh, the Constitution uh, as far as uh, you know money and what have you. So um, DV Kid's probably the best. Um, I use her a lot as far as articles. Um, she doesn't write much anymore, but uh, as far as showing people why income taxes are not necessary. And why the I mean these people who are advocating conservatives advocating for fair tax or flat tax, they're just being manipulated into uh proposing a tax to probably uh replace the income tax when enough people are upset about it to call for you know whether it's a consumption tax or national sales tax you know these people are or idiots. They, they don't know. They're useful idiots. That's what the communists call them. Um, that that we need to educate. Uh, and the, if the Libertarian Party had the guts to uh, take up this income tax <laughs> banner, uh, you know, we'd have a ton of people becoming libertarians and uh, and not paying income taxes and, and you know, hanging ourselves. You sound more like a Constitution Party candidate than a Libertarian candidate. I went to national convention. Yeah, that's, 12, yeah, that's a good convention. point. Yeah, it does very similar. Go ahead, Kelly. Yeah, Virg- Virgil Goode, who we had on the show, presidential candidate from the uh, Constitution Party. Um, we always like to say Virgil Goode. All right. Anyway, <laughs> but um, that Robert's going to tell about the one story of the Virgil. It was amazing. But you sound more like a Constitution Party. I have run into libertarians that try to educate me on this stuff on you know what you're talking about and it's rather interesting and so i started doing some research and i was like wait a minute how did our country wait a minute wait a minute for 150 years we didn't have a federal income tax right well number one the federal government was so small it didn't really need much didn't have too many functions um navy and 
Dr. Tolbert mentioned about 18 duties. Treason, prosecute for treason. The states were handling everything else. But it's, it's like, wait a minute, 150 years without an income tax? What's going on here? Well, they had a system of apportionment. You look it up in the Constitution, and basically based on the census population, okay, California, say you're 10% of the nation, cut us a check for 10% of our budget. You know, South Dakota, you're like 1%. Okay, you cut us a check for 1% of the budget. And then the states collected however they want to, okay? So the states would collect it however they, they so chose, and then they would cut a check to the federal government, and it stayed in Washington, D.C. Now we have a system that the states, the counties, the cities are all broke. Oh, we need a federal grant. We need a federal grant. We need a federal grant. We need, oh, we need a state grant. Oh, but that comes from the Fed. So what's happening in the big picture is people having their money ripped out of their back pockets, okay, sent directly to Washington, a big cut because it's big government, Happens to employ people, says Obama. Employment is up, yeah, because you're stealing money from people's back pockets and through the constitutional apportionment. Then that money, uh, what's left of it, whatever percentage, you know, maybe 50, 60, I doubt if it's 80%, goes back to the states and grants. Well, with these grants come heavy strings, heavy, heavy strings. Federal government says, state, thou shalt do this if you want federal money. Well, where'd the money come from? It came from the pocket of the citizenry. So what do you think? So what do you think? Uh, Nick, about these federal grant programs with heavy strings. Well, uh, this goes back to what I was saying regarding uh, the governors of each state being cowards. (laughs) If they weren't paying, if their citizens, if they protected their citizens, they said, you know, y'all don't have to pay income taxes, federal income taxes anymore. And the federal government wants to give some money. I mean, there's no strings attached because all the money, the states can do it themselves now. We don't need federal grants, most of which are unconstitutional. Um, I, I, uh, I invite your uh, listeners to, to go to my uh, political organization on Facebook. It's Land Holt for Congress, and that's L-A-N-D-H-O-L-T, Land Holt for Congress, and contact me. I mean, I'll give them all the income tax info. You know, their heads will be swimming. But, and this organization, Truth Attack, uh, that I'm working with, that's also uh, going to pick up the ball uh, with where we the people left it. And uh, let's Let's apply the income tax where it's supposed to be. Um, I, I'm looking at, a, at an income tax fact sheet, and the, the income tax was instituted in 1862. And as I mentioned earlier on the program, the 16th Amendment didn't uh, expand uh, the definition of, even if it was legally passed, did not expand. Well, that was, a, that was a levy for the Civil War, really. Right, and of course, and, of course, the South didn't have to pay it. <laughs> it's right, an observation, right. you know. But well, I wanted to get to something interesting because, you know, you, you get me thinking about these things. All right, now Texas might want to be might, might want to secede from the Union. They were the Texas Republic in 1838, um, mm-hmm. having their own country as they defeated um, Mexico. Mexico. And they actually mm-hmm. uh, the the leader there they actually captured uh, Santa Ana. Anyway, but. So 
Texas might secede physically or at least saying, okay, now we're going to put up walls. Another way they could secede is if the governor says, we're just not going to let IRS agents in our, in our, in our state. Okay. Well, all of a sudden the the Texans are going to have a huge amount of money and their economy is going to flourish like crazy. It'll take three, four years for the rest of America to realize, Oh my gosh, then you're going to have a domino effect where people are going to move to Texas. I mean, it's a pretty uh, interesting thing. If one of the dominoes goes, other states, uh, of course, California would never go for this, but, you know, Massachusetts, forget it. But you would have a phenomenal domino effect because it's real simple. People are going to vote their pocketbook. They're going to vote for the economy. I mean, why I'm saying this is because you have a massive monster system in place that – the powers that be do not want to give this up. Oh, and by the way, here's a funny. It's interesting when you put the word D-I-R-S together because it spells theirs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, people talk about uh, – I just saw a meme the other day, I guess, on Facebook about um, why uh, uh, that, that payday should actually be uh, called – um, pay or exchange day because I get paid, but I exchange it with everybody else. I give my I have to give my money away to everybody else. Um, this this uh, I mean Texas is is unique because of of its independence, and uh, you know you mentioned California and, and Jefferson State and what have you. But uh, yeah, eastern half of Texas is basically what rules the western half. Um, oh, you, know, you, got, yeah. you got you have Austin, the capital, and you have the big Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston, and San Antonio. Um, West Texas is you know rural, and in 2016, I mentioned that you know I, I got ten and a half percent of the vote. Uh, West Texas had five libertarians. Um, run for Congress, and these five districts cover pretty much the western half of Texas. Well, over 80,000 of us uh, out of those five candidates, 80,000, over 80,000 votes were received. So, uh, again, that just emphasizes the disgust that West Texians have with the Republican Party and obviously the Democrats as well. So I'm okay, gentlemen. Real quick, gentlemen, I, uh, one of uh, the folks here, Susan, she's got to go, and we do like to give folks the opportunity to do uh, what we call their final comments for this evening. Uh, and so let's go ahead, and then we'll continue back to this. And real quick, folks, it's about five minutes to the hour, so we are getting ready to go into uh, the 30 hour show, uh, which uh, is the portion that, you know, don't let the your mics or phones or whatever drop, uh, because unfortunately we won't be able to call in uh, after that time. Uh, so make sure things are, are, are charged up. Uh, but we also have uh, Susan here. Uh, he's got to go, so we're going to have her. Oh, no, we just missed it. We're going to have her. Or, no, maybe that wasn't uh, her, but uh, just to say, there you go. Uh, be able to get your final comments for the uh, tonight, Susan. So go ahead and, and do that before you go, and, and then we'll continue on to the gentleman. Go ahead, Susan. Thank you. The man seems to be dominating the last and, few yeah, if, you, if you got yeah, to do it, yeah, go ahead and interrupt. Go ahead. Um, now, Article 1, 
Section 2, Clause 3, Sentence 3, wherein the number of representatives shall not exceed one for every 30,000. That is from, you know, Constitution. It says so. Okay. So the next thing is let's address the militia. Um, I have an article here. It's quite good. Um does it say (laughs) I think I scrolled way down from it Um, what sir is the use of a militia it is to prevent the establishment of a standing army the bane of liberty whenever government means to invade the rights and liberties of people they attempt to destroy the militia in order to raise an army upon their ruins this is a quote by Elbridge Derry 1744-1814, a Massachusetts signer of the Declaration of Independence and member of the Constitution Convention, spoken during floor debate over the Second Amendment 1 Annuals of Congress at 750, August 17, 1789. So I believe uh, that addresses the militia. I believe that it addresses the other one, which addresses the uh, how many representatives for how much. And, of course, it's growing the population, and he divided it to see, and it's way over the limit what we're doing now. And for any Californian who's on here, the good news may be that Michael Savage may be running for senator against Dianne Feinstein. Yes! Oh, wow, that would be phenomenal. He's seriously (laughs) considering that. He was asking his listeners do you think I'm going to be crucified by the media? That's not the right question. The right question is, do I do do I care? Right. But exactly. He's seriously considering it, and I think he could. I think he could pull it off. Um, I have, would know. back him, even if I'm not in California. But you know, I might send him five dollars or something, even though I don't really well, have it. But you know. Well, what's nice about if he did run, and then went back to radio? Hey, fine. But what could happen here is he could really get a message out. Ron Paul, when he ran, you know, a big Ron Paul fan, still am. Um, he uh, got a lot of people together. That, And when you find out that there's so many people that want liberty because one candidate is running, you make a bunch of connections and you make differences right there. Because because if you just if you feel isolated, you feel alone, you're not accomplishing anything, and all of a sudden you meet 10, 20 people through email or Facebook or meetings, whatever – all of a sudden, you're like, wow, we can do this. And that's why, you know, people need to get behind constitutional candidates. And, uh, yeah, so that, I'm yeah, I'm glad you chimed in with that, Susan. I, I guess anything else you want to say? Or, I know there's Robert Schultz, No, but I just, that was basically it. I just wanted to prove some points on the militia and on the representation. And, you, know, some, you know, the Constitution actually does speak to that, to the 30,000. And uh, that it's good news that hopefully he will do it. And I certainly would put it out there so anybody in California would vote for him if he decides to do it. I'd love to see that old battle axe defeated. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, Who knows, maybe grand jury indictment will come down on her for something and he'd be a shoe-in. But uh, anyway. I think he's got a good shot. Well, there's a lot of people in the rural areas, and if the Democrats, you know, they're supposedly queuing on and all this Trump is getting indictments, and supposedly, 
you know, they're sealed indictments. Well, how do we know there's like, you know, certainly 500, then 1,000, 3,000, 5,000? How do we even know? We won't know until they actually come out. And I've explained this before. It takes a while for a grand jury to do the job because you go bottom of the totem pole, you work your way up, chain of command, you work out plea bargains to get the evidence to get people, even Hillary Clinton, and it's not going to come overnight. So if all of a sudden, if all of a sudden Democrats and some Republicans, you know, it might even be just as many Republicans as Democrats, get indicted, they get thrown out of office, uh, you got top Democratic officials in, in, in states and, and Republicans. Next thing you know, people would be, I want a third party. I want a third party. I want a libertarian party. Well, let's hope. I mean, we've been talking about it for years, <laughs> Kelly. I know we've been talking about it here on the show for at least five years, you know. Go ahead. Yeah, the duopoly. But, uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. here's another thing that happened with when you start bucking the IRS. I mean, this is establishment powers that be, okay? And they were at this in Europe long before our country. But Jim Traficant, uh, he's a really great man. He was a sheriff in Pennsylvania, became a congressman, kept getting elected. He was a Democrat, but he really stood up for Americans. And he um, got it uh, passed in a bill that the burden of proof is now on the IRS. That took literally thousands and thousands and thousands of liens, foreclosures, bank seizures, etc., and it stopped and dead in their track because now the IRS had to do the burden of proof, not just because they thought somebody was doing this or that, burden of proof. And then what happened to Jim was they blackballed him, and he went to jail for seven years under a frame job. After he got out, right. he found out that NSA was spying on him, and had he had those tapes in the trial, it would have been sculptory evidence, and he would not have been convicted. Um, two two people uh, supposedly falsely testified against him, but because he was recorded, and that conversation would have been in court, they would their their testimony would have been destroyed. He never went to jail. But real simple, turning the burden of proof on the IRS instead of just oh we think you owe a bunch of money. No, they have to prove it. So it's a fascinating thing when you buck this system. I mean, I would kind of advise Nick to be a little bit careful here and. And my prediction is they're probably going to start coming after you pretty hard because you're running for Congress. If you get if if you win, you're going to have to watch your step. But if you um, if you lose, they're probably going to leave you alone. But uh, that's that's what happens when you know when I was doing um, election integrity stuff with Watch the Vote, we were doing our survey of California, and you know we were having conference calls and all this stuff getting the word out and more comments of how messed up the voter registration software was. Uh, I had three people call me and say, you need to stop what you're doing or you're going to get killed. And yeah, I remember you said, uh, tell us about that. And that wasn't fun. And the third time was a, a paralegal that's in the courts. He knows what's going on in the corruption. And when he told me I had to go for a walk, it was a very serious thing. But I, but I kept going, you know, and luckily Hillary isn't elected, but you know, um, don't fully trust Trump, but at least I know it's a little better position I'm in. But it's it's tough to make a stand for the Constitution, for the truth, for the American people, for freedom. You know, liberty is a state of being, and I see a lot of libertarians, by the way, they get this. They really do, and they study the Constitution, the history, the case law, and they realize, you know, hey, there's there's a point to be made here. And so, and, and Nick, I, you know, I would love to see 
you know, your passion for the Constitution. We've talked a, a few times uh, before this this call, and I think we've been Facebook friends for a while. But you know, I wish every congressman that was running had this level of understanding of the Constitution and would actually vote that way so we wouldn't have this behemoth federal government that people are becoming afraid of. Um, and it's ironic that a lot of Bernie Sanders folks were Ron Paul voters because they get it. They get the NSA and NSA Bob, and they get that we're losing our privacy. We're get, getting that there are concerns that with this much information, I mean, my gosh, Adolf Hitler would be a, a kid in a candy store. Um, having this technology to spy on the American people and use it against political opposition. Oh, that's right. Obama and and uh, Tea Party folks trying to get a 501c3. They couldn't because of the IRS. There was hearings over this. You know, our our system is 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 the federal. I mean, I've been saying this for a long time. The federal government is just too big, and it's very frightening. It's very frightening. In the wrong hands, in the wrong hands, we could be in serious hot water. Um, so I don't know, what, Nick. What's your thoughts on that? Well, um, let me just backtrack a little bit to uh, Jim Trafficking. Uh, he was also, uh, I'm told, considering running against Hillary. Uh, the fact that he was in jail for seven years, railroaded, uh, is just—I uh, don't know—that that's atrocious. And I blame the fact that. Ohioans did not have a state militia that would have prevented an innocent man like Trafficant being railroaded into jail for seven years. That's ridiculous. But once he was out, he started he started to speak out against Israel again and talk made uh, you know made some overtures or was considering a run against Hillary. And uh, he was killed. Uh, I think he was murdered. Um, I think an investigation would show that, but um, you know that that was in September well, of 2014. Yeah, um, are you talking about well traffic and... Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, he died. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know. We had. Uh, Cal- yeah, we had. Uh, yeah, with James on the show. Uh, you know, talking to him Jim about Condit, it. Yeah. And we've we've had. Uh, yeah, yeah well, we had traffic on a couple times. Okay. Well, he was discussing that. Uh, um. Well, Jim Condit explained because he talked to his wife some, but it was a tractor accident. A tractor overturned on him, supposedly. But um, that's right. you know, I was raised on a farm. That's believable. A lot of people die. Farming used to be one of the most hazardous um, businesses to be in, but they've you know since a lot of safety and training. But yeah, he could have died by a legitimate tractor accident, or he could have been killed. Um, just he started, know, an, just like he started an organization with uh, American Free Press, uh, kind of um, as a collaborator, uh, ProjectFreedomUSA.org, and once he died, that that movement kind of died as well. Uh, mm. He was going to be talking. I didn't get an opportunity to talk to him about the income tax and the fact that we didn't owe it, as opposed to um, you know. Uh, going to a, a fair tax or what have you, which is kind of what he was going to advocate. Um, you brought up the 501c3 stuff, the tax-exempt status. Um, I, I can't go into details right now, but that was a CIA um, agenda, which basically silenced 
all of the quote unquote Christian churches from you know uh, taking sides, speaking out, uh, uh, political uh, hit hit job, I guess you might say, to basically uh, you know zip their zip their mouths, and so the congregation becomes silent too. Uh, we we got to get back to to we the people and uh, our militia, which is necessary to the security of a free state. Yeah, we um, yeah, Dr. Tolbert, you know, really chimes in a lot about that. But real quick, a little programming note for uh, for next week. Uh, we have uh, another uh, guy, uh, libertarian candidate, coming in. Uh, next week, uh, you may or may not be familiar with him because uh, he's uh, from the state of Utah, and he's running for the U.S. Senate uh, as a libertarian candidate there. Uh, so we'll be having him on next week. Uh, so looking forward to that. And then uh, I believe the week after that, uh, the 14th, uh, we have – I believe we're going to have on uh, a Todd Watson – who is going to be the other uh, senatorial candidate, U.S. senatorial candidate. Uh, he's running for the Republicans, uh, who is going to be um, running there in Nebraska. So last week we had a, a gentleman from Nebraska, and uh, we're going to have another one of the primary candidates on uh, the week after next, uh, who's uh, running there as well. And then on the August, uh, not August, March the 28th, uh, there will not be a show. On uh, on that uh, on March 28th, uh, that is my daughter's birthday, uh, and it's her 16th birthday. Not regardless of how old she was, I'd still didn't want to have to do a show anyway. Um, so I will not be <laughs> I will not be doing a show on that evening. <laughs> so I will be uh, with my daughter celebrating her birthday with her. So that's kind of the next uh, look at uh, of next month. We've got another guy uh, we're, we're looking at coming on for the 21st. Um, still uh, looking at a few things, and we're, we're already starting to get some people, uh, perhaps for uh, you know our Wednesday night shows on April. Uh, if we do end up have to do uh, some, you know, maybe like a Friday night episode or something of that nature, like we do every once in a while, we may do that. Um, the, you know, kind of a programming note for that, uh, so we could go ahead and we still do have. Uh, you know, you on the line, Kelly. We also have uh, John still here as well. I uh, do apologize. Well, it looks like we will not be having our guest uh, Robert McNeil on. Uh, I don't quite know uh, what happened with him. I hope he's okay. Uh, Robert? I did send out a couple messages uh, to him, but I have not. Uh, I have not heard anything from him. Uh, Robert, uh, I, I might yes. be able to help you out. I might be able to help you out with an answer there. Um, he is tomorrow, March 1st, and, and this is uh, from the interview that I did with him a few weeks ago. He has a uh, contempt of court hearing in Washington, D.C. So he's, uh, I, I guess he's traveling or he should be there tonight. Uh, and maybe he uh, either forgot or, or I'm not exactly sure what what happened. But uh, he's got a very important uh uh, I remember judge. him telling me about that. I, I okay, yeah, I do remember him. Uh, I do remember him telling me about that, and uh, and then perhaps uh, 
you know, I'll, I'll double check on the calendar, but as for our conversation, I thought we we're going to uh, have fun this evening because we do have another gentleman coming on on the on the seventh. I'll double I'll double check the. Uh, well, yeah, we have uh, Craig Bowden. Uh, he's the, the guy. Even didn't came from Utah. He'll be the one who's uh, at least going on my email uh, that he'll be coming on the seventh. And so maybe we'll just have a couple of different candidates. But you're right. Um, I do recall having that conversation with him. Yeah, I'm going to be interviewing him uh, about what happened uh, or what happens tomorrow. Uh, it's at 10 a.m. Eastern, so I'll be saying some prayers for him. Uh, the, the, his U.S. District Court Judge Christopher R. Cooper is the corrupt guy there in D.C. Well, I don't know what kind of contempt he's got. I hope he he showed up. But sometimes people uh, they showed contempt and well, he he and the, he and and his uh, Michael Ellis, who who's an attorney, they are the two that are uh, you know had to appear uh, before Judge Cooper tomorrow at, at 10 a.m. So that should be uh, very interested. Uh, I'll be probably calling him or texting him to find out. What happened? Because I mean, it's possible that that they could be going to jail, but uh, if the guy's honest or at least honest enough, um, yeah. Do you know? Do they you know should... in contempt of court, you don't get the trial jury, right? You can appeal it to a three-judge panel, but you don't get to, under contempt charges. It's just you and the judge, so that's not very fun for. That you can but, yeah, and if I was wrong with the scheduling, I mean, I'll, I'll double-check my calendar, uh, but if I was wrong with the scheduling, I, I deeply apologize to <laughs> you, know, you guys, the audience, and, and of course, to, to him. Uh, but I thought we had something scheduled for today, but perhaps uh, perhaps, you know, perhaps it's supposed to be the, for the 7th or something, but I, I thought it was supposed to be the 28th because we had yourself, uh, oh, wait, we had the gentleman, you know, booked last week, and then uh, and then we'll uh, – yeah, if he, and if you let him know that you know my concern there, and if he can reach out to me uh, once he finds out. But yeah, and through my understanding, I thought he mentioned that perhaps you know at most he would get like a fine or something, but a pretty hefty one at that. Through my understanding, if that does go that well, route. Well, you can you can go to you can go to jail if you're. But I wanted to get back to our topic of federal government, which we have a congressman on, a potential congressman. Because I'm in favor of reducing the size of the federal government in any way possible, legally and peacefully, and let the states take care of their own problems. Because, again, you make a monster federal government, you end up having in the wrong hands a disaster. And, you know, be it by, you know, okay, let's say the IRS is rid. All of a sudden, there's not much money for the federal government. Oh, goodness. You know, Federal Reserve... That's another issue. You got representation ratio instead of one per half a million or a million. You get down to thirty thousand. That would be great. Um, Ferret out the corruption of grand juries. States' rights. Let the states know their strength. There's some states that have actually declared, "Look, you're not going to dictate to us anymore." Of course, the federal government then says, "Well, you're not getting any grants anymore." So it's a very interesting time. I mean, again, we go back to. This monster federal government in the wrong hands, and we could suffer uh, terrible tyranny, and who knows what the end result would be. 
It's just they have the military, they have the high-tech equipment, they have the reconnaissance on us, they have spying systems. Um, I am such a big advocate of local control. And I go to the supervisors' meetings, I go to city council meetings. Um, that's a go is a good place to start. You see a few victories, then you can work up the chain of command to... Uh, and by the way, here's a libertarian phrase that I find quite amusing. Uh, the Libertarian Party wants to take over the federal government, give it back to you, and go home. <laughs> well, so, and that's what, what I'm that's what I'm saying with my campaign is uh, this isn't about me. Uh, a lot of libertarians think it is because I keep having to self promote myself. This is about me wanting to give power back to the people, and this is gonna this has to be a team effort. Um, you know, I'm not interested in staying in Washington D.C. Uh, I've been—I was in the Navy in the last three years. Was spent near the Beltway, but in Southern Maryland. Uh, I have no interest in, in staying in Washington D.C. So I would certainly, uh, in fact, I, I've said that uh, if elected in November, then in January I would be introducing the state. Militia Restoration Act to uh, uh, to get this right the situation of we the people and being back in power again. What's that mean, though? We the people back in power again? Because whenever I brought up earlier, it's, it just came across as if we get to elect a dictator. Because once you get in office, if you burden encumbrous with laws rules, processes, procedures of self-governing without our consent, then we're not self-governing, nor are we free. We're just legislative slaves. That's like represent, right. you know, representation like a pimp represents a prostitute. Well, it's like um, the, the, the saying goes, uh, 1776, they fought about, <laughs> which isn't actually true, but it was a nice soundbite. They, they fought about taxation without representation. Well, how does it feel to have taxation with representation? It sucks. And this is and <laughs> we've this never is had the, representation. Is, well, Since our founding, we've right. never had representation. Well, and this is why the the founders put in the well-regulated militia. The, the we the people are supposed to be over. The Constitution, we're the ones that make the decisions, but we can't do that now that we're in a police state. Uh, I, I, Kelly, you were talking about uh, Texas secession. I think you were going to be eventually asking me what happens if the feds say no. Uh, well, this is why I keep telling people we need to have the Texas militia reinstated before we can actually do something because we'll need to be able to defend ourselves. Wow. Well, the Constitution, yeah. Article 1, Section 9 and 10, says that no title of nobility shall be, you know, granted by the United States or, you know, no state shall grant any title of nobility. Article 4, Section 2 says the citizens of each state shall be entitled to all privileges and immunities of citizens in the several states. So if all we're doing is electing our next dictator, then we don't have a constitution because if they can get into office or anybody and they can burden and encumber me, but I can't return the favor, vice versa, and burden and encumber them, 
then we don't have a constitution. This is all snake oil salesman psychological mind trick. It's that coercive persuasion. We're, we're suffering from Stockholm Syndrome. Well, I would totally agree. And when people say, you know, I, I've been in this fight, you might say, for, you know, since about the late 80s. And when people keep educating me about what's wrong, I keep knowing what the answer is. I ask them, well, what is your solution? No one ever talks about militia. That is the solution. That's why I say no militia equals no free state. That's what the Second Amendment, if you read between the lines, says. So if you want to be free, you better be able to defend yourself, and we cannot defend ourselves. So all this talk about you know elections and what have you is just white noise unless we're able to... I mean, it's gotten to the point to where these people only understand the threat of force. I'm with you. I'm with you, Kelly. We're going to try to do this peacefully, you know, and and whether or not we're beyond that, I don't know. God only knows that. But, you know, we certainly can't threaten anything if we don't have the means to back up those threats. Let, let me ask you a question about uh, you mentioned some of your mentors were Dr. Edwin Vieira and some other guy. I've heard about Dr. Edwin Vieira. He's a professor of law. He's won three cases before the United States Supreme Court. Now, you're lucky you even get before the Supreme Court. He's won three times. Right. Uh, what, 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 can you tell us more about what you learned from Dr. Uh, Edwin, uh, Edwin Vieira? Right. Well, um, I started to read his uh, series, which he put out in 2008, I believe, was the first one, first part. It was an eight-part series on the militia of the several states. And uh, and that's what convinced me. I used to be a big, uh, well, I still am a big proponent of verifiable elections and uh, uh, an honest and fair vote count. But I used to think that you know, if we just had honest elections, that we would be able to you know, straighten ourselves out. Well, after reading Dr. Vieira's series on militia, and, and I mean, he's on YouTube. I mean, he's he's pretty out there, uh, pretty easy to find for people. Uh, I became convinced exactly what the 13 words says, and he's got a small book called 13 Words, which explains the meaning of well-regulated militia and that the primary purpose of the Second Amendment is about the well-regulated militia. It is not about the right to keep and bear arms, which is obviously a natural God-given right. So I just, I've just i learned a ton, uh, not only about militia, but, um, I mean, because militias were around in the 1600s. Uh, in colonial America, 1690s, I guess, maybe even before then. Uh, and that's where uh, I mentioned Daniel Vincent McGonigal III. He's the other guy. People can find him on Facebook. Uh, he's the other militia scholar that I've learned a lot, and I've interviewed him a few times on my show as well. Um, this is where, uh, as I become more educated, I'll be able to 
get the uh, that education and information across to people in, in a better way. But right now, I just kind of refer people to those folks to get uh, a concept of why uh, the militia exists and why we need to get it back. Nick, I'm grateful that we got somebody like you that's even getting closer to being more focused on, you know, individuals having the right to decide for themselves. Because whenever you have these people getting into office dictating the rules, laws, processes, and procedures of self-governing, they are putting roadblocks, you know, hurdles, um, walls in your path to the pursuit of happiness while they're building high-speed fast lanes for their pursuit of happiness and all their accomplices, you know, all their henchmen and accomplices. So if you and I don't have the, you know, uh, right of freedom of contract, mutuality of agreement, you know, due process of good faith bargaining, good faith negotiating to make sure that our will is written into law so it rightly reflects our voice, then we aren't going to get a high-speed fast lane to our pursuit of happiness. We're going to continue to get the speed bumps and walls while they get to make the path the way they want to. And most people, for some reason, and I didn't even, I got on this kick a number of years ago, I heard a, a lawyer named Herb Titus speaking, and he, I've heard him again a, a few times, and he gets into the principle of mutuality, and then whenever I understand more about the Constitution and just natural law, and, you know, if I want, i got to treat others the way I want to be treated. Hello, are you still there? Yes. Oh, okay. I heard a click, and it got so silent, I was wondering if I lost. Oh, <laughs> no, gosh. Yeah, we know that. It's not always NSA. It could just be some hacker that's wanting to exploit, you know, conservative people. <laughs> yeah. but, any, but anyway, the, what the point is, if I'm going to treat my fellow man the way I want to be treated or love my neighbor as myself, I'm not going to go campaign for office, get into office, and then force them to be burdened and encumbered against their will. I've now just been a hypocrite. So that's my, I, I'm just, I can't believe psychologically what our Congress and our senators and our president is doing is saying government sanctioned bullying and coercion and force, survival of the fittest, is the psychological scam that they're selling to people subliminally and subconsciously, and that's why we got so many people across America that are on the down low hiding all their corruption, because the more laws you continue to push on people, the more they go in hiding, because they're going to keep doing most of the stuff, because you're treating them as, as their legislative slaves, as your property, because you're not allowing them to self-govern or be free people. You've manipulated them into saying, no, I get to make all the rules and decisions about self-governing. You just have to, you know, do the horse and dog show calling me and making you feel like you're getting a voice when you're not. I just let you call and talk to my aides, and my aides throw your noise into the trash. Back to you. Well, uh, the... um I guess, uh, and, and I don't know how many uh, people are left in America that would call themselves Christian patriots, but uh, for me, it's it's God, guts, and guns. And if we forget God, then He allows uh, 
tyranny and, and slavery and um, those type of issues to uh, to enslave the, the people who were supposed to be honoring him. In the Old Testament, it was the Israelites, and and uh, when they strayed from him, uh, he he showed them who was boss. And in the New Testament, it's it's Christians. And uh, the preachers in the churches are, are weak. As I mentioned, the, the tax-exempt status, they're more interested in keeping that tax-exempt status. And the fact is most people don't owe income taxes, so therefore they wouldn't need to be worried about that anymore. But they're so concerned about that that uh, they won't speak out to, to, uh, to their people uh, you mentioned Herb Titus. Um, I'm familiar with the name. I, I know he was with the Constitution Party. I think he was one of their presidential candidates. Uh, another, uh, uh, Dr. Chuck Baldwin, uh, I believe he's the, I heard recently he was the chaplain of Oath Keepers. Uh, he moved from Florida up to Montana, and uh, and he speaks out uh, pretty frequently and, and forthrightly about uh the Constitution and um, what's going Chuck on Baldwin. in government. Excuse me, real quick. Chuck Baldwin, he ran for office in what, 2008 or 2012, which one? I know, I remember the name because right. I was really interested until he dropped out. Yeah, I think he was the, well, I think he was the Constitution candidate, uh, presidential candidate in 2008. Um, and, and he's still out there. I mean, he's on Facebook. But, uh, again, it comes down to uh, enough uh, people, uh, Christian men with guts, to stand up and organize. And that's what uh, I'm about, and that's what uh, Tactical Civics, who I'm working with, is about uh, in, in organizing. And, yeah, they've, they've, got the, you know, they've got the jets and what have you. That's why I say private militias really aren't going to uh, do any good they'll be able to be picked off, you know, kind of one at a time. So uh, I think, you know, if, if the state is not going to do their duty in organizing uh, state militias, then it is going to be coming down to, uh, say, county militias. And uh, I guess one of the things that we can be trying to do is, is elect constitutionally minded sheriffs. But, you know that's kind of hard to do as well. Uh, I, I understand that most of the sheriffs in Texas are going to be Freemasons, and maybe that's the case throughout the U.S. I don't know. It's it's not a good situation, um, and for me, it's because we rejected God, and uh, you know when we turn back to Him and uh, repent, then uh, I think He'll turn things around and uh, and help us. But not until then. Article seven fourteen, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, seek my face, then I will hear from heaven, I will yes. heal their land. But I, I appreciate you pointing out too that uh the Christians standing up and doing the right thing, because it reminds me, you know, in uh Isaiah ten, I believe it is, where the Lord uses the Syrians as his rod of indignation on the people that turn their back on him. And as well, remember what happened to whenever the pastors and the shepherds weren't do, uh, taking care of the flock right in Jeremiah, Ezekiel 34. I mean, the Lord basically lets the whole nation just 
he tur- he just lifts his hand of favor from them and then lets them destroy themselves. It's sad, and uh, I, I think it's a psychological thing that most Christians even struggle with the fact that they think that, and now this is just my observation and analytical perspective. I can't see all things, but I tend to think I have a sensitive spirit to people and humanity. And it, it's to me, it's like so many of even the pastors and stuff today, they get into this power trip or something, and they think that, oh, Romans 13, you know, automatically gives them the power to manipulate the situation and whatnot, and that creates another seed of contempt in the heart of man. And I'm like, you're distorting God's word. When he talks in Romans 13 about, you know, showing your honor towards the authorities, he's talking about the office of authority, because otherwise you got neglect- you got to just throw the rest of the Old Testament whenever the you know, leaders back in the day of the Old Testaments did wrong. God didn't tell the people to just keep following, you know. He said, no, no, they don't work that way. And if you continue to follow the leaders, when they get corrupt, then I'll just let you all struggle. And so there's a lot of perversion and a lot of things. Now, I'm not all-knowing, so definitely if we talk long enough, you'll find there's an area you need to help me learn on. So uh, sometimes I tell things that I think I see right, and people automatically start thinking, oh, you're a Mr. Know-it-all, aren't you? No, I'm not a Mr. Know-it-all. I'm just trying to share with what I do understand and see. And if we talk long enough, you'll find out there's areas that you need to educate me on. But anyway, I really appreciate what you're trying to do, which is the communications is very important. And I think that a lot of times, you know, our enemy always wants to twist all of our communications, and I'm, I'm not the greatest communicator either, so I'd rather have a lot more words come out to make sure that the message is clear than to have a misunderstanding. Thank you for your well, time. And, and, well, well, real I mentioned quick, earlier I'm, 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 the show regarding Russia, and, and I think Russia, God is going to use Russia to chastise America and uh, uh, the, the pride of Americans in this uh, corrupt uh, government. Well, I was, uh, it, as Kelly, I think, stated earlier uh, tonight, and, and it kind of brings me to a question, is, you know, you, you're running for the Libertarian Party, uh, but you, you, I mean, I'll be honest, I mean, because we interviewed a lot of people from the Libertarian Party and, and the Constitution Party, and it does – you do sound more like someone who would be running from the Constitution Party. Uh, how, how come you didn't run under that ticket? They do not have ballot access in Texas. So uh, okay. when I, Texas is, is kind of, I guess, difficult, um, they're, they're just not re- very strong here. You have to um, get 5% uh, of the vote in a state race uh, in, in Texas in order to gain ballot access or, you know, the, the petition route, what have you, which is uh, very difficult as well. This is why, as I explained um, in, in 2016 or in December 2015, when I first contacted the Libertarian Party of Texas, that I explained, you know, I'm, I'm more of a constitutionalist, but, you know, and, and these are my positions as far as borders and uh, abortion and uh, taxes mm-hmm. and what have you. Um, and, but, you know, they said, you know, fine, you know, we're, we're more conservative than the National Party. Um, 
But now that I've uh, now that they know me better, uh, as I say, they they've put up uh, this Rhett Smith character. Well, I take that back, <laughs> fellow, um, who. I've got to find out if he even lives in the district. Not that, uh, again, you you don't need to live in the district, but uh, he ran for mayor of San Antonio last year. Right. He got like 300-something votes. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's... uh, You didn't get very many votes. (laughs) This is is why I need a campaign manager to do things that, you know, I I just, I'm kind of like an investor. I'm willing to take the risk. I'm willing to put my head on the chopping block out there, you know, go on the record as I've done tonight that I stopped paying federal income taxes. I'm ready to talk about militias. I'm willing to, uh, you know, provide the message that got, you know, uh, traffic can't kill maybe. Uh, I mean, JFK, if he'd, uh, if he had understood the second amendment and told the states to get their militias, back together instead of saying I'm going to you know shut the CIA down or or go after Israel and its uh, nuclear uh program um you know he might still, he might be alive today who knows uh but that's why you know we you got to have the muscle behind you if you're going to take a stand um but as I was saying Christians really need to stand up and um you know are they going to? I don't know. It doesn't look good. Um, I just saw on uh, today in a in a private message a libertarian saying that um, he had heard that there's like forty percent or more of libertarians are atheists. And my comment was, well, that that doesn't look good for Christian patriots who are you know think that you know, say they're libertarians as well. Uh, you know, we we just don't believe in license to do whatever the hell you want. Well, I'll tell you what, when Gary Johnson was was running, I mean, he, he found more leftist than he did anything else. Remember that, Kelly? I do. Well, he... Gary Johnson stated certain positions he held were not the Libertarian Party's position. Um, gay marriage and abortions was two of them. And the state kind of hard to make out what you're saying, Kelly. Oh, yeah, Kelly, you're now. okay. Good. Well, it's not just me. It's just me breaking up then. Okay. I was thinking, I was wondering whether it's just me, but it sounds like it's not just me. Okay. Well, Gary Johnson was um, made it clear that some of his positions were not the National Libertarian Party. You know, for example, gay marriage and abortion, he was favoring both. He said something rather funny, though. He says, you know, <clears throat> if gay folks want to get married and be as miserable at as, as us heterosexual folks, well, then have at it, you know. Um, he, he was, and he was just funny, and he was a governor of, of New Mexico. Um, but there are different varying opinions of libertarians. I mean, I've met fellow Christians at the state convention. Here in California, and uh, it's rather interesting, and and so it's it's a variance, but we do agree upon some very essential things. Um, one is the federal government needs to be greatly reduced in size, and uh, they don't like the Federal Reserve, 
I've seen a lot that don't like the IRS, but they're not as outspoken as um, Nick is. And uh, they get the Constitution. They get our natural rights. They get liberty. I mean, obviously, you can guess why I'm not a Republican. I left the Republican Party back in 2000 after we went to war without a constitutional declaration of war. Like, come on, Bush. I was done. And you go to these conventions, it's kind of funny because you run into Democrats that figured out what the problem is in their country, in their party. I remember one guy at the state convention, he goes, I'm a recovering Democrat. I said, gee, I'm a recovering Republican. <laughs> and, you know, we shook hands and laughed. And uh, but I've learned an awful lot about liberty um, from the libertarians, particularly William Sparkman has really washed my mind in so many ways. You know, I've come to the point, too, with social issues. And I don't know, um, Nick, if you got to go, but I, I believe firmly that the federal government does not belong in the bedroom, the womb, or the vein. And the founders were Christians. They could have outlawed drugs, uh, homosexual marriage, and abortions, all the same constitutional amendment is the appropriate venue, but they never did. Why? Because they knew the social issues were in the hands of the states. The federal government shouldn't be this big. And I've said this many times on the show. The second time you open the door for the federal government to um, dictate moral issues, you've just given a blank check for the federal government to grow to infinity. Social Security was one of the worst forms of this. And it's grown ever since then. So it's it's a very interesting study when you look at our liberties and the states that created the federal government versus the feds and what their respective stations or respective jurisdictions would be on so many issues. And it, it's just it's becoming frightening when I study history, when I study how nations rise and fall. I'm sorry, but we're headed towards this path unless we get more power into the hands of the states. The, the power that they've actually had, but somehow to get that federal grant money, the states kowtow to the feds. And um, so anyway, I, just, I could go on and on, but I, I felt that the Libertarian Party best fit my perspectives of the Constitution, smaller federal government, fiscal responsibility, um, you know, and then the social issues are just a circus sideshow while they pass NDAA and they distract us while they go to war. This is not a declaration of war. We're in the longest war in our nation's history. I was like, come on, guys, you know. So, anyway, I just, I just, that's a little plug for the Libertarian Party and why it fit me. Well, I, well one thing I'll, I want to uh, ask him real quick before we get ready to wrap things up for tonight. Is um, you know one of my you know one of my I guess pets uh, when it comes to that is NASA. Uh, you know I just want to get what your thoughts are. You know, you know on NASA and you know trying to you know get back to the moon and you know possibly Mars things of that nature. I know John's not a big fan of us spending our money uh, <laughs> to, for those ends, but I think there's a lot of benefit. That could come to uh, society, you know, from space exploration. But what's your what's your thoughts? 
I'm sorry, was that addressed to me or Kelly? You. No, that's okay. to you. Okay. Um, well, I was actually looking at the uh, uh, Fifth Amendment because of the, the due process law um, and the, the life, liberty, property uh, issue because I was thinking about uh, what Kelly had been saying regarding uh, uh, abortion and, and pro-lifers or what have you. So you'll need to rephrase your question or your statement there, Robert. Sorry. No, I just want to, you know, I mean, you know, there's some folks who support NASA, some do not. Some think, you know, it's a good use of our, you know, I mean, I know you don't believe in, you know, ta- you know, the taxation, things of that nature, but since we do have it at this point and it's there and, you know, that they do, you know, take, take the money, uh, whether you think it's uh, a good use of tax dollars. Uh, no, I do not. Um, and obviously uh, people like, um, is it Elon Musk? Is he the guy or, or is it Jeff Bezos of Amazon that's putting together these flight, uh, these space flight things? Um, that, that could be done by private businesses. Uh, you know, private corporations or whatever, and investors who want to, uh, you know, go see space or, or whatever it is. I, I have no interest in it myself. Well, I mean, and, and I just I was going to make this point because I, I don't think I've ever heard anyone, you know, kind of put, uh, you know, this or this, you know, put you know, that into this context. Is that you know, if people, you know, back in uh, Columbus's day had the same mindset about space as they did about exploration. I know it was about trade, but you can also, you know, for every six, for every dollar that's spent on space exploration, you know, $6 pretty much comes back through innovations, you know, into our economy, you know, so uh, what else can you say that has that type of, you know, return on investment? Uh, So if you had, you know, folks like, you know, Columbus, I mean, they were, pretty much paid for by the government for exploration or at least for trade routes, things of that nature. I mean, if they would have had the same mindset, uh, who knows what America would be like today? Would have been, would have been discovered by the folks who, who, who came here? I think not. And I think it's uh, – personally, I think it's folly for us not to do that type of exploration because, well, I mean, once we stop, you know, exploring, well, then, you know – there goes innovation. There, I mean, that, that's one of the problems that I think why for the last 40 years, uh, and I'm going to get in my soapbox for a little bit before I do, uh, you know, our, our closing comments from everybody tonight, is that uh, I think that's what, that's the problem. I think that's been the problem for the last 40 years is that we keep talking about the same old and the, the same old topics, the same old you know scandals, the same old. You know, oh, well, we'll talk about debt ceilings. We're always talking about immigration. We're always talking about, you know, gun control. I mean, it's always the same topics. Nothing is ever solved. And one of the hopes for a lot of people who voted for Donald Trump was that, you know, some of these issues we can finally put to bed. I mean, we don't talk about curing diseases anymore. We don't talk about, you know, exploring space and, and, and you know, expanding mankind. All we ever talk about is, oh, well, we've got to spend all this money for this war. we got to spend this money towards you know, uh, you know, building a wall, or we got to spend this money towards, oh, my gosh, all these investigations and bullshit like that. And that's as far as logic after dark, so we can say bullshit now. 
You know, so, you know, look about, if you've been following politics, because I think as long as you have, and I know as long as I have, you know, we our, our nation has been stagnant for, for 40 years. I mean, we're, what, 200 and something years old? I mean, so for, you know, a quarter of our existence, we've stagnated. I mean, when are we going to expand? I mean, is this all there is? Is this all we're going to do? I mean, how are we going to? How are we going to get any better? How are we going to improve, you know, the human condition with the United States of America being on the forefront of that instead of some other nations such as you know China or whatever? We say that, you know, oh well, we can leave it up to the you know to the private enterprises. You know, private enterprises, private enterprise did not get us to didn't get us to the moon. It didn't. And if the only thing that and the only thing that private enterprises are interested in our profit, which I don't have a problem with profit. I don't have a you know, whatsoever. Okay. But if that's going to be the only motivation, you know, then that's going to be, that's going to be an obstacle in and of itself. It's because it's got to be more about that, you know, and if it's not, well, then we're just not going to, we're going to stagnate for another 40 years. And, you know, why, why bother trying to do anything else? Why try to discover and, you know, diseases. When heck, hey, if we cure diseases, that means the the population's going to increase, and and you know we're going to people are afraid that we're going to run out of food or we're going to run out of room. Well, you know, if we if we don't you know innovate, then what's that going to happen? Not just to you know, America. What's that going to happen to you know us as mankind? Are we going to just stop advancing? I mean, is that what we're going to really be looking at? But anyway, I do see that we uh, we're almost to the close of the show, and so I do want to give everybody a couple minutes to uh, give closing comments uh, for tonight. And of course, uh, we'll we'll do with you uh, get with you first, uh, John, and then uh, Kelly, and then we'll of course give uh, you the final words uh, for staying with us the entire show, which we really appreciate. Uh, and then I'll have to close things out. So let's go uh, go over to you, John. Yeah, well, I respect your position on those issues, Robert, and believe me, it's it's not about that. It's about government-sanctioned right to steal from you, and see. Any oligarchy that has the right to steal your money and use it for their purposes without your consent is automatically telling you that you're not respected as an equal citizen, self-governing nor free. And you, so they're telling you we don't have a constitution. It's back to that same psychological scam. Just and like I said before, if, there, if people want to, I mean, we can put in trust accounts or you know crowdsourced now in the 21st century. And there will be some of that stuff done. There's people that are multi-millionaires and billionaires that are philanthropists, you know. But to sow the psychological seed that it's okay to elect a dictator and then they just get to steal from you and, and spend it the way they want to is just asking for lawlessness all over. And that's the psychological scam I'm concerned about and I keep bringing up. But for now, I'll let it go because we don't have that much time and other people want to say their goodbyes. I think that's a segue over to you, Kelly. Well, John, I want to add to your point. Thomas Jefferson said the worst form of tyranny is when a man's own money is used against him. And uh, that's, yeah, I mean, they suffered that from the British occupation, the soldiers, Massachusetts and other colonies. And, of course, who was paying for that? Well, the colonials were getting taxed on tea, and they didn't like that either. But, you know, they got together at the grassroots level. Now, I wish... Um, with Nick coming on, I, I would wish that uh, all of our 
congressman running would honor and respect the Constitution, even at least open it up. Um, <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I'm just uh, – hopefully we can find more constitutionally-minded people. And I, I would encourage people, check out your Libertarian Party of your state. Go to a convention. It's not hard to get to a convention. Maybe you'll see it national. Try. I wouldn't mind going, but, you know um, – I, I just I just had to leave the Republican Party because we went to war without a constitutional declaration of war, and now it's drained the country. It's I mean, there's so many issues. When you have the understanding and the belief system that liberty is a state of being, we were free from our first breath. We were born free. We are equals. And it doesn't matter what race. It, if we all bleed red, guess what? We're all the same. So, except for those politicians that came from the planet Zortok, they they bleed green and they've taken over DC. But you know, liberty is a state of being and, and you know there's there's other people I like to get on from the Libertarian Party that would cover a whole bunch of areas. Uh and and, and, and they they get the constitution. They really do. So I guess um I want to say thanks for Nick coming on and uh back to you Robert. Well, that's uh, the good segue over to uh, Nicholas. I appreciate uh, you coming on to the show and, and staying for uh, the whole thing, taking up the spot that you know at least we thought we were going to have uh, Mr. McNeil on. Uh, as I said, you know perhaps there was a you know maybe a scheduling snafu uh, with that, but you know I'll, I'll, I'll look into that and, and delve it. But I hope uh, his uh, court hearing uh, goes well tomorrow for him. Uh, but let's go ahead and we got about. Uh, Literally just a couple minutes uh, for some uh, closing comments for you, and then I'll have to close things up for tonight. Thank you very much. Okay. Well, uh, for me, it's all about, uh, or I should say for the government, it's all about control. Uh, Governments are supposed to protect our rights and defend those rights. Uh, Instead, they are controlling us, and they do that through taxation. Uh, I think it's a presumption to say that if we government hadn't paid through uh, uh, creating the National Aeronautics Space Administration that we would not have gone to the moon. I'll throw in if we went to the moon. <laughs> and we yeah, I didn't to contend that we didn't. <laughs> um, but uh, private, I mean, there's plenty of wealthy folks out there who uh, you know would have made it their business to uh, create um, some type of you know vehicle because people are just uh, you know they're easily entertained uh, as we can see with today's uh, you know social media and iPods and iPhones et cetera et cetera and they want continual entertainment so these uh, these big businesses would have come up with stuff. So, uh, but we're not going to get back to uh, the government not controlling us anymore if we don't take back uh, control ourselves. And the only way to do that, according to the Constitution, is through the well-regulated militia. So that's why I've made that and uh, the the income tax my two top issues. If we had uh, kind of a conglomeration coalition of third parties just focus on 
let's just focus on the income tax. Then uh, you'd get all those frustrated Republicans and Democrats leaving and actually putting in uh, good guys into office. Well, we definitely, you know, as you know, uh, for the regular listeners here, you know, we definitely promote uh, grassroots uh, candidates more on the, of course, uh, conservative side. Um, I'm a card-carrying Green Party guy myself, but I'm a conservative <laughs> environmentalist. Yes, they do exist. Uh, how do I know? Well, I'm one of them. Uh, but anyway, as to, you know, whether we, we landed on the moon or not, I'm, uh, I, I just say with that, I can't believe just for the very fact that, you know how many thousands of people would have to be lying? <laughs> you have to have lied to, to pass off that conspiracy uh, that that we never did. It just it's, it's unfathomable to me that you, you would have to get thousands of people who, who you know who played into it and, and decided to go along uh, that we that we never really landed there. And, and the technology to fake something like that back in the you know late 60s, early 70s. I just don't think the, the technology was there. Uh, but anyway, I will have to close things out, uh, and I'll close tonight as I do every night, and that is with the song by Aubrey Ashburn. And you can hear more of her music by going to www.aubreyashburn.com. So thanks again, folks. We will see you next time, and good night. Good night, folks. Thank you.